Welcome to Eclectic Soundtracks Podcast. On this episode, we chat with vocalist Carrie Stevens and guitarist-bassist Adam Donovan of the neo-barrelhouse swingin' jazz meets pop rock band Caravan Thorn. We discuss the band's origins as well as the current lineup and how they came up with their unique name. We also discuss donuts, musical backgrounds, audio engineering, Adam's endorsement deal with Kiesel Guitars, Stephen King novels and sci-fi nerd books, movies, stand-up comedy, and Adam's first job at an oil field in Odessa, Texas. Once escaping to Austin, Adam developed a wide variety of skills such as mechanic, audio engineer, and running live sound and lighting. Carrie relocated to the live music capital of the world from Portland, Oregon with a background in musical theater. The two met in a band called Donkey Island and the rest is history. Before we get started, we'd just like to remind you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we'd also like to thank our friends at Godan Guitars, Tregging Guitars, Ernie Ball Strings, and Five Iron Woodworks. Now on with the show. Here Oak we go. Oak. Another episode of Eclectic Soundtracks, and we are here with Kara Van Thorn. And... Now, part of Kara Van Thorn is actually Karen. Kara. Kara Van Thorn. No, what's your name? I'm, I mean, what a horrible way to start the interview. Worst start to an interview ever. And it just it occurred to me. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I don't. I know your name, but not, but clearly I don't at the moment. Adam Donovan, how are you, sir? We're just going to cut it off. And I'm Doing good. We're going to chop that. No, we aren't. So, Adam Donovan, tell us who you're with. Who is that lovely lady you're with right there? This is Carrie Stevens, uh, Carrie. the other half of Caravan Thorn. Carrie, that's what I meant to say was Carrie just came out. It's so close that it so is. many people, I'll, I'll email people from our Caravan Thorn Gmail, and even though I specifically sign my name as Carrie, they still immediately respond as, hi, Kara. Yeah, I mean, so. So, you're not the yeah, first. Yeah, I know, I can't feel too bad we about it. We kind of did that to ourselves. Well, it's a really cool name, and I know there's a story about it, and I kind of had... No, I saw you guys on Up Late Austin, um, and those guys are great. I've played on that show with a few different bands, yeah. and they're they're really nice guys, And um, but I saw... I, I had already come across you. Initially, I think I found out about Caravan Thorn, which originally was Caravan, mm-hmm. and I found out about you guys uh, initially from Tyler Olfers, who was playing yeah. with you at one point, was playing keys, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember the name from that. And then I think you told the story about the name change or that where Caravan Thorn came from on that up late show. But I'm sure it would be much better for you to tell people that than for me to get it all wrong like I've already done with your name. So why don't you <laughs> why don't you tell us Carrie, uh how the name of the band came about Carrie? Um well we started as Caravan And it was actually another friend of ours who put our two names together, Carrie and Donovan, to create Caravan. So we were performing under that moniker for quite some time, a couple of years, and that's actually when Tyler first joined us. But we realized that there were too many caravans out there. There There's so many bands named Caravan or that had Caravan in the name. We were starting to get confused with Caravan Palace because they do some similar styles of music. 
And we actually ended up going to a CD Baby conference that was here in Austin to learn a lot about independent music um, and some of the marketing that goes in behind that and working it out. And one of the recommendations that one of the presenters gave was to have a listening party. And that listening party, so we scheduled that with some select friends that we invited over. And part of that was listening to the music and giving some feedback and kind of trying to nail down what our genre is because in our minds, every single song felt very, very different. And then of course, hearing other people's opinions of it, they're like, what are you talking about? This all fits together. But part of that also was coming up with a new name. So kind of starting with Caravan and we gave everyone at the party the history of that name and kind of stuck with it. I personally wanted to keep something along the lines of Caravan just because we had been building up that brand for some time. So it wasn't a complete 180 into something else and trying to um, relay that to any fans. And we had, I'm pretty sure I still have that list somewhere. We came up with maybe 20 or 30 different names and all of a sudden someone just said, well, does it have to have Caravan in it or can it be a full name like Cara? van something mm. and thorn was the coolest something yeah very good it's a very cool name and you're speaking of the um when you were talking about like your i guess kind of, kind of how to define the band and the genres you've got a great quote on the website um i, I came across a couple of things but it says uh alternative time blah 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 i mean i'll just read this because it's really cool it says the members of caravan thorn have carved a niche for themselves over the past half decade with an eccentric cocktail of 30s jazz, 70s pop rock, 80s goth, 90s alternative for a timeless onstage experience, ripe with bleak lyricism, dreamy brass stabbing piano chords, and infectious harmonies and melodies. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, who wrote that? Uh, Jack Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, so we had reached out to KUT when our first single came out, Darkness Fades, and... He wrote back and said, I want to use this as a song of the day. And that was his description. Very cool. And I love your brand. When Was your logo always, did it always have this style to it? Or did that come with Caravan Thorn? Or was that kind of similar with Caravan already? Because it really fits with the sort of, um, I, I don't, again, there's a lot of elements to your style. But somehow <laughs> that that like really just seems to work really well. So where, where did that come from? at about the same time or was that prior that came in at the same time that was another facet of that listening party was trying to determine our brand so we knew how to move forward and how to market ourselves Mm -hmm. and when we started getting into that hearing the feedback that we were very theatrical and that sort of 30s um speakeasy vibe and coming up with this very cool lustrous name like caravan thorn we knew that we needed a new logo so i actually reached out to my brother who went to school for graphic design and he designed that logo for us well he nailed it yeah it's so cool yeah i think your brand is great and super just cohesive i love it how did you two meet thank you oh that was a long time ago we uh I, when I first moved to Austin, I was uh, doing a home audio install and I met a guy at work who played guitar, kind of my first musical friend in Austin. And he knew Carrie through her her partner who they worked together. And so we got together that way and played uh, 
struggled through a few years of playing with some other people and we decided one day that it would, enough was enough. You know, we, Carrie would come in to practice with this other band and she's like, I wrote this, I wrote this song last night, you know, let's, you know, she'd start singing on the mic and I'd just pick up my bass and just automatically start drop in. And we, we had the vibe. Everybody else in the band was like, I don't get it. It's like, hold on to that. We're going to do this in a little while. So that we quit that band and started our own band and it's just been nonstop ever since. The band that shall not be named. Yeah. We're not going to name their name. What was the name <laughs> of that band again? <laughs> so care. And so when was caravan officially, when did that name first happen and, and you guys start performing under that? Oh man. Tyler's been. birthday party. Yeah. One of Tyler's oh, birthday okay. parties. How do you know Tyler, man? Cause, uh, I know you through Seek Irony, who you play with, obviously, uh-huh. and not, and you're also playing with Inch of Dark these days, right? All, yeah. all mutual friends. And um, but Tyler, I've known for quite a few years, and I, you know, I think when I've had first, I think one time I was recording them and hanging out with them, and they were playing me a song that you had recorded for them. I don't know what the band name was. Maybe it was Prometheus Tree, even I don't remember. Yeah, there was Prometheus okay, Tree. Yeah, I, I brought them into the studio when I was at TRCOA. That's uh, ah, right. my first first real uh good time with those guys uh we actually met through uh through tristan her her partner, partner again, again. Okay. uh tyler's was it mother-in-law uh, yes tyler's mother-in-law works with tristan and so he came to our old band i'm just gonna go ahead and say it donkey island was the name of the band he came to a donkey island show <laughs> and um at the time i was struggling to find bands to record in school so like hey you, you want a free recording you know session so they came in and we had a great time and we've just been great friends ever since tyler's a good dude yeah yeah man very cool what do you remember like when that was it about 10 years ago or something or uh about seven years ago i've been here nine years and it was about probably about eight years ago is when we met when did you where do you, where are you from originally adam Originally Odessa, Texas. Oh dear God, ah, I'm so sorry. The armpit of the universe. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I know that um, place. Well, first yeah, of all, sorry. congratulations <laughs> on even being alive. And uh, yeah, uh, man, I literally we I played one show in that place, and there was like I was really the weather was crazy. It was like a tornado. We were worried about a tornado coming in, and uh-huh. and I'm not even joking. Like half the bands that we played with, there was like some weird acoustic thing before like some metal bands played. And like all the songs were about suicide. And I think like people were just like, oh, good, a tornado. Maybe this will be the end of me. And it was just <laughs> the vibe I got from Odessa was like, we don't like our lives. Um, yeah, that's that's that sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> so, well, I don't have to ask you what brought you to Austin. You were just like uh, anything but this. And I got anything but this. Yeah, I, I came for the music, stayed for the music. I mean, you do all kinds of stuff, man. I mean, you're a mechanic. You've worked on my car yeah. before you. Uh, you do lighting and, and I mean, you do all kinds of elect, uh, you're an electrician, I guess, uh, kind of a jack of many trades. Not officially, but yeah. So it was that, and then music's always been a passion. What, when, when did you start playing music and was bass your first instrument? Cause you play guitar as well. I was, I started playing music in the fourth grade, uh, playing trombone. Oh, and I played trombone all the way up through high school. But in the midst of that, I got a guitar, started playing guitar and, uh, probably around 12, age 12. And then that very quickly turned into, Oh, you know, we need a bass player. Somebody go buy a bass. So we, I got a bass and 
really took to it really well. So uh, I started playing jazz at the high school and the college and taught myself to read music on the on the bass all the while playing guitar and trombone and everything else. And it's just kind of spiraled from there. Right on. I, I have to I have to learn new stuff all the time. I get bored. Well, yeah, obviously you're uh, you you know how to do like everything. I still can barely play like do one thing like play guitar. You're like, there, <laughs> let me build a house. I'm bored. I'm gonna build a house and a car today. Um, with a studio. With a studio. It. Yeah, and we're not? gonna get back to to a Horn Lizard Studios here in a second. But let me switch back over to to Cary, uh, and maybe I can shit on your hometown. Where are you from? <laughs> Portland, Oregon. Oh, wow. Try shitting on that. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't, I've heard mixed reports about Portland. On the one hand, it sounds like this really cool musical artsy place. On the other hand, I think you, if you're uh, not a, a super liberal, like if you're a Trump supporter, Portland's probably not your favorite place. <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, it depends. If you live on the outskirts of Portland, they're that gets pretty conservative. The closer you get to the center of town, it gets more liberal and progressive. But even then, it's still uh, northwest progressive. Yeah, I, I love the well. I love the whole Pacific Coast. Every you know, San Francisco. I love the North you know, Pacific Northwest and Seattle and all that. But I've never been to Portland. Um, but it's kind of like you know, in that whole mix of stuff. So, what brought you down here, and when did you come to Austin? Oh goodness. Um, Traveled across the country a little bit, lived in Massachusetts and in Nevada, which also has a town that claims to be the armpit of the country. Um, And I was doing AmeriCorps Nevada. And when that term was up, this I had met my partner, Tristan, there, and I always wanted to move to New Orleans. So I thought, now's my chance. I don't have anything else going on. My term of service has ended. I don't have a job. So now is the time to move to Louisiana. And we drove all the way down with our two dogs and every person we met along the way. We would constantly meet people from Louisiana at every single stop. And all of them said, why in the hell do you want to move there? So we ended up in Austin staying with some of Tristan's family Um, his aunt specifically, and she launched a campaign to keep us in Austin. She kept taking us out to dinners. She had us stay in her boyfriend's little McMansion in the West Hills for a couple nights. And eventually, after about a month of that and being incredibly poor because we were unemployed, we just decided, you know what? Austin is just as good as any other place. Here we are. And that was 11 or 12 years ago. Wow. Um, I got to say, I think you made the right choice because New Orleans is like a cool party town, but it, I mean, speaking of armpits, I mean, Louisiana, look, I got a lot of friends in in the whole NOLA in Louisiana and I I loved going through and playing and great people, but yeah, that, that, that swampy, humid vibe and the, it just, I don't know. I think it's a cool place. Some places are cool to go party and visit and play, but other places are, I think more, um, Austin seems like a great place to live, right? If you can afford it nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Got a voodoo donuts here now, too. So from Portland. That's right. You're welcome. Yeah. Ah, is that the place uh, down? It's on Sixth Street, right? I think it's on Sixth Street. Mm-hmm. I haven't. I haven't been to that one downtown. I've been to the one in Portland. I've been there before. But. The original one. The real yeah. one. The real one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Denver has one too now. Ah. I've been to all of them. So. Ah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Even the three in Portland? No, just one in Portland. Yeah. You've been to all the, the, the cities that have voodoo donuts. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I actually had a wedding in one once in Portland. A wedding in a donut a shop. A wedding in a donut hey, shop. You know, I mean... That I think used to be a burger joint. <laughs> I kind of like it. I like the non-traditional weddings, you know? Make it make it your own. Do something different. What? Have a whole bunch of donuts. <laughs> Have a whole bunch of... Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... I don't know, but I would say it would be relatively cheap, but would it, though? Because then if they uh-huh. knew it was a wedding, then all the donuts would be like $25 a donut, right? Everything would get jacked up. They're pretty big donuts. Worth $25? Mm, maybe they're in a wedding. I don't know. Our conversation sucked so much <laughs> that they left. <laughs> they were like, oh, my God, these fucking assholes are going off on donuts. <laughs> we thought y'all left. We were just, Vic and I were just getting all enthralled I with donuts. I don't know. Do we need to start shutting things down? So something about your browser, blah, blah, blah. Shut down your Riverside studio well, on the left. Vic, I don't know. Is Oh, we might have to reevaluate Riverside. <laughs> Earth took to Caravan Thorn. Well, we can. Boy, this is what? weird. Um, who's gonna have the the um fun task of editing this podcast? <laughs> I can see you and hear you. Can you hear us? We can now. I can hear you now. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Had a little crash and burn. Oh, okay. Well, we just thought you were like, oh, man, they're going to start talking about donuts. Let's just get the hell out of here. It, it <laughs> says we're exceeding some storage limits or something. Oh, uh, are, are you? Bro, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's running. Browser storage. Let's just go with it. Anyway. So we were on donuts, right? <laughs> yep. What's your Portland. favorite what's your favorite donut? We got no other questions, so let's just talk about donuts now. <laughs> Why not? Honestly, my favorite is that Texas sized donut that Voodoo Donuts has because it's so big it can't get cooked all the way through, and I like things to be just a little bit gooey in the center. So it's just perfection. Things like not specifically donuts, but like everything you eat, you like to be a little gooey in the center. Bread, cookies, carb like things. If they're a little bit doughy in the center, that is my favorite. Okay. Adam, what's your favorite donut and and what type of goo level do you like? (laughs) I I like all donuts and uh, all goo levels. I'm just a, I'm a. You're just fat guy and a. You're you're just thankful to kind of fat guy to go up body here. You're just thankful to you'll be like as long as it's not an Odessa, I don't care what it is. It's, it's good. Exactly. This is great because it's not an Odessa. I'm sorry, Adam. I'm exactly. I'm shitting all over your hometown, and that's. Please do all day. <laughs> okay. Just don't go there. Don't stay there. I used to live in College Station. I shit on it too. So you know. Um, I saw I, ZZ Top in Odessa one time. What? Uh, yeah. Who? ZZ Top. Really? Yes. <laughs> wow. It was it was kind of a depressing show. Why were you there? It, oh, because you lived in uh, uh, Lubbock, right? Which is kind of close or what? Did I live there at the time? Maybe. Yeah. It, I, I was living in Lubbock at the time. Yeah, so it's not that far of a drive. You like know, with all, with all the vaccinations and stuff right now, it's like I've noticed... 
there's a lot of openings in Lubbock. I mean, not Lubbock, in uh, Odessa. Because it's, like, really hard to, you know, obviously there's a lot of places here, but there's a lot of, like, openings in Odessa. And I'm thinking, like... Oh, for the vaccine? Like, job openings? No, like, well, that too, maybe. But, like, no, like, for the vaccination. They're just sitting there with a whole bunch of vaccinations, and the population of Odessa is like, no, no, we just, we don't want to live. And then people are (laughs) just like... That's That sounds about right. <laughs> I, I went down there recently for a job and uh, it was like the mask thing wasn't a thing there. Nobody cared. <laughs> I was walking around Home Depot like it never right. happened. Well, the thing about Odessa, right, is people go there and you basically like, OK, my life's going to suck for five years, but you're going to make a million dollars working in the oil field. Right. It's a big, huge oil economy. Right. And so there's some or you could die. Either or way. you could, yeah. So I mean, you're. It's yeah. an interesting gamble. I've known a few people that worked out on the. Um, I say a few. I, I think I'm referring actually to one, literally one person that that worked on the <laughs> like the oil rigs in the middle of the Gulf and that crazy. Yeah. That's crazy shit, man. Yeah, my first job was a uh, hauling around oil oil field testers in the oil field. Sixteen years old. Wow. I got it. Got the hell out of there whenever I could. No thanks. When, and so when you came to Austin, were you that was uh, you kind of dove right into the audio and, and the engineering school right away, or what were you? Uh, it was it was probably about six eight months. I I started at TRCOA. I I wanted to do something, and I I, I toured Media Tech and a few of the other schools. And um, I don't know if you know Ryan Henderson. But yeah, I do. He, yeah, uh, I, I actually had met him, and I could yeah I met him through at like a recording academy function party yeah. one time and hanging out probably with John Stinson even. Um, yeah, he would, uh, he'd call me like every other day. When are you going to come? When are you going to come, uh, start school? When are you going to come? When are you going to come? Okay. And eventually I just gave in and, uh, he's actually the reason that I, uh, ended up joining seek irony. He introduced me to those guys no kidding. cause he knew, knew Rom, you know, you know, Rom, how he goes and networks. Well, he met Ryan and, wow. And that's how I ended up with those guys. Yeah, very small community here in Austin, even though there's a, a billion of us musicians here. Yeah. The um that's interesting, um, because and, and Ryan is your drummer, right? Caravan Thorne's drummer? Yeah. Right. And now so you're the core, you've got Ryan drumming, um who's kind of set in the band? You've got keyboard, guitar, uh, you've got a couple of horn players. I know Jerome from um uh, Inch of Dark plays trombone. So who are the other members? of the band uh cesar is our uh keyboard player and i'm not going to butcher his last name because i will reyes velasquez thank you oh, wow and uh he uh he joined with the band when uh tyler was having his second baby and needed to spend time doing that rather than running around playing with us kids and uh so cesar was able to join the band and then uh we had a when we were recording some uh, trumpet parts for the EP, we hired Austin, our uh, trumpet player, to come just, what was it, a Facebook Marketplace ad? Mm-hmm. Found him, and he came and recorded some tracks for us, and by the end he's like, oh, guys, I kind of want to play in your band. We're like, man, this guy's badass. We're going to have to step it up. We also like, want you to play in our band, Austin. He's <laughs> so good. It's like you point at him solo, and he just, da 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 done. Yeah, he came in and he played and we we'd already had the parts laid out in the song and he was like, well, I'm kind of hearing this and do you want me to fill it out a little bit more? And we just went, 
do whatever feels right. Like you're the trumpet player. We just know it needs trumpet, but we don't know how to play that. So we're relying on you to make it sound good. And he ha- added all of these little things in there that I absolutely love. So it's it's really fun being able to play with him. Awesome. Um, and that's Austin. I think it's Johanning. That was difficult to say last names. <laughs> And then Jerome Chwelik. Yeah, right. Yeah, Jerome's name. I've never tried to pronounce Jerome's last name. <laughs> is that how you say it? Chwelik. Yeah, Chwelik. Really? What is that? And uh, Polish or what is it's that? Pol- yeah. Polish. Yeah. 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 We were talking in in uh, Inch of Dark one day about how actually every member of Inch of Dark started music on the trombone. Inter- you, interestingly enough. Bless you, Kara. Thank you. <laughs> Wow, I, so dude, I know that's crazy. It was crazy seeing Jerome play uh, a trombone, and then you're saying you played yeah. trombone, which I never—I don't think I knew yeah. until now. Um, that's wild, man. I recently so we we asked him to join, and he's he's excited about it. You know, it, it's it's fun to see everyone get so excited about it after we spent so many years writing these songs, and it was just the two of us kind of just grinding through it with MIDI making the parts. And then for everyone else to come in and just be as excited about it as we have with all the work that we've put into it is, is really special. That's great. We have a really special group of guys that we play with. Oh, yeah. I think one of my my favorite moments so far playing with them is we had filmed um, some videos with our friend Gabe Nolan for the upcoming release of our EP, which came out a year ago. And looking back on the song, Me Without You, there's this shot of Austin and there's some scat callbacks in that song. And this shot is actually catching Austin, who's not miked, doing the scat callbacks. And that was like one of my proudest moments as an artist that this guy had come in. And at that point, he'd only been playing with us for a couple of months. So to see that in retrospect because he was behind me so I didn't even know what had happened until I saw the final video and I was like oh, I wrote a song that people are singing to after they've heard it a couple of times awesome, yeah. and that was that was such a fulfilling moment yeah for sure um, I mean I know it's not your song but I got fucking super hooked on that cover of Santa Baby y'all did that that thing is so badass I was like jamming that shit like every day it was so good Cause I think it was right around Christmas and then I, and like I had just like finally gotten into the Spotify world and I was like, well, I'm going to stop bitching about how they only pay us like point zero zero. Nobody listens to my music anyway. What do I care? Right. So then I was like, <laughs> fuck it. And I started making playlists and all this kind of stuff. But, um, that's such a cool tune. So you did the EP last year. That's your, not a debut re- release, but you don't, you, you have a full length or no? No. Nope. That was our debut. And, but you have several singles, right? A couple. So the first single um, came off of that EP originally, Darkness Fades. And then, I mean, honestly, we thought at the beginning of 2020 that this is the year that we're just going to start busting things out and playing a ton of shows. And I think our last show was in February playing with a burlesque troupe. And then the pandemic happened and everything shut Mm -hmm. down. And even at the beginning... um, I, I would say I tried to stay very po- fairly positive and we came out with Party in the Living Room, mm-hmm. um, which was a group 
effort where we each kind of did our parts separately and put them all together into one. And then um, the last couple of Christmases, we've done a couple of very different types of Christmas covers. So Santa Baby was the one that came out this past Christmas and the Christmas before we did a cover of Last mm-hmm. Christmas. Hey, on the, the uh, looking on your website here, on uh, Party in the Living Room, that's, is that artwork? Um, that's not, well, who did you say did your, your, your brother or sister or something did your logo? My brother did our logo, but Adam did, did that, that artwork. Oh, cool. so, once again, Adam Moore. <clears throat> do you, do you recognize the living room? Oh, it's the Simpsons, huh? Is it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> nice. It is. That's awesome. He got That's it. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah, and, and your look is, uh, yeah, you'll have such a cool look. with the, You know, and I, I didn't want to say burlesque, but I guess it kind of is, right? And the old, you said speakeasy in the old 20s, 30s stuff. Um, yeah. But then you kind of have these cool, like, the the weird thing with the mat, you know, the mask and stuff. And I, I just really like that. It's just kind of like, funky and it catches your attention you know what where did that come from where did that idea come from like with the masks and these videos and stuff i think we were just getting weird i don't know i don't, I don't, know. I don't remember where it came from we were just getting either. weird we were we were trying to to kind of find our voice and and not be like everyone else so we're like let's do something weird we got these weird animal masks there's four of us let's do yeah. it yeah, and that was even before we ca- became Caravan Thorn because we shot Darkness Fades in 2018, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, On I cell can't... phones. We just set up four cell phones in the middle of a room and just shot it like yeah. that. But yeah, I can't remember those. I can't remember. I remember having an idea about that, like going to Party City and getting all these animal masks, but I don't remember where it spawned from. But what's interesting is that if you actually look back at the 20s and 30s and that sort of highfalutin lifestyle, that kind of weirdness perfectly fits in. And so it actually really works with our brand of being that sort of 30s vibe. Yeah. It was like the the eyes wide shut of the day. Yeah. <laughs> of the decade. <laughs> or of the century, I should say. The eyes wide shut decade of the 20th century. Well, I like it for whatever that's worth. Um, and everything, all your music was tracked. Uh, Adam, did you do it all at, at Horn Lizard Studios? That's your studio, right? Uh, that's actually Brad Graves' studio. Oh. I uh, I run that studio, but a lot of it was also tracked at my home studio, which is where we are right okay. now. Okay. Okay. Um, we do a lot of the pre-writing and stuff here, and then if we need drums, like he has a great live room for drums, so we track our drums over there. But I've got a an ISO booth here that we track all our vocals with. So I just kind of go back and forth between here and there and put it, piece it all together where we can. And where are these studios located? Your home studio and then Horn Lizard, where are those? My home studio is in Cedar Park and uh, the uh, Horn Lizard is in the Arboretum. Okay. They're both uh, home studios, but you would never know uh, Horn Lizard was a home studio because once you walk in, it's just, it's breathtaking. Awesome. Wow, Vic, say something. I <laughs> I failed to follow that up with it. I almost away. like went into like nerd land about. Well, tell me about I, the gear, Adam. But yeah, I was like, nah, we don't need to do that. I saw you kind of looking off. We in can the do, distance. We can do that another day. <laughs> you can come by and hang out. Do you have a neighbor an SSL? Mm. Uh, Trident, actually. Trident. Okay. Well, tell us about it, since Vic's over here daydreaming about donuts. Tell us about the console. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much. 
Uh, the console, uh, they got it from Victor Vallejo. Oh, okay. And uh, we went through it and, and updated it a little bit and built it into the desk in the wall. Uh, Dave Devalier helped us with that. He's a, a very talented studio builder. He did all the metal work and a lot of the woodwork over there. And then uh, myself and a bunch of other students from TRCOA put the rest of it together. I learned a lot about acoustics working on that room. Wow. Um, when you were over at the conservatory, did you still ever do anything over there? Or um, I, Kafir teaches there, over there now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does. Know. I, I don't, I don't ever really go over there. There's, there's not enough time for the students that are there now, so I don't want to go jam that up. Occasionally, I'll go over there and use their grand piano, but other than that. You know, what is, I go other places. What's that? What kind of piano is it they have over there? I don't remember seeing that. Oh, I don't know. I know it'll track MIDI too, though. Oh, it's wow. pretty cool. Yeah, I think I. I know Tyler would know. Went over there. I feel like I went there with um, because I remember the Penny Penny Creek location way back. Yeah, that's that's where Horn Lizard is. No now. shit, that's Horn Lizard. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, we did a we did a full very remodel cool. of that place. Very very and, cool. Uh, okay. It's completely different. You should come check yeah, it out. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to do that. I just that's so crazy, man. I I never put that together. You know, I never had any clue about that. That makes total sense now with the whole trajectory of all this. And then yeah. the, the new place is uh, I've been there once, and I'm trying to think when that might have been. Two thousand nine. I think it was pretty new. Like it was, it, it was yeah. just getting going out there around. Oh, out on City uh, Park. Uh, yeah, off three sixty somewhere, right, kind of west. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've been out there, but, um, yeah. Awesome, man. Yeah. I definitely love to come, uh, check that place out. How often are you up there? Do you, so do you run, you run that studio set and you're up there kind of managing it and and doing sessions and stuff? I'm I'm 15 minutes away at my place. So it's, it's a quick trip down there. And whenever we have sessions, I just go down there and run sessions. Cool. Okay. Right on. You guys all working on, do you do pro tools or what's your. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's what they taught us. That's what they so taught us. That's you. what we use. The old, the old industry standard. Yep. Can't make myself learn Ableton, but yeah, I don't really know how to use anything, in, including Pro Tools. <laughs> it's been a while for me. I learned Pro Tools in college, so oh God. even now, it's what? it's been upgraded so many <laughs> times since then. I look at it and I'm like, yeah, this is not the Pro Tools I'm familiar Seriously, with. Seriously, that's the thing. It's like I remember having like seven and then they made the kind of the jump where they finally the Digitech stuff or whatever. Um, where they, Digi-design. Digi-design. Yeah, yeah, Digi-design. Yeah. Where they went to open interface source or whatever interface, right? Non-proprietary mm-hmm. and... I think that was nine and now it's on like Pro Tools 5000 or something. I, I yeah, we're on 12, 12 now. now. I know. I feel like I was using like three. <laughs> no, I've still got an old like Pro Tools 6 book. <laughs> That'd be interesting. What? An interesting read. What are some, uh, what with Pro Tools 12 and the newer stuff, what, what are some of the features that you, what has happened in the last few years that's, that's, um, <clears throat> uh, they've got, offline bouncing which oh, is pretty nice you don't have to wait yeah wait for it to play all the way yes. through uh the commit function is pretty cool i use that a lot so if you have like say melodyne that uses a lot of of your memory you can just hit commit and it'll write that to another track and save it and it does it in like 15 speed so it goes through really fast and just commits all your plugins writes them to another track 
saves it, saves the oh, old holy one. Holy shit! Do you have to uh, like? Do you set up another track, or does it automatically just do that? It it, it gives you an option. What oh, do you want to wow. do? Do you want to delete it? You want to hide it? You want to do nothing? Brilliant. Yeah, it does it all itself. I totally. It's cool. yeah, I, wow, I just learned something I should have known. Um, yeah, and then they've got the whole thing now where you can just adjust each, the little volumes on the region. I guess that's been around for maybe a uh-huh. while, but yeah, that's pretty killer. Uh, freeze, right? Is freeze a new thing that you use? You yeah. Freeze tracks. I don't know. I don't ever use it. I guess you need to do that if you're if memory is not an issue, it doesn't matter, right? But if you're if it's taxing yeah. your system, you can just. So what does freeze do exactly? That's a good okay. question. I don't know. Okay. Ask fear. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. He teaches this. I know. Shit. I try to. This is what I do. If you haven't, yeah. See, this is my sneaky tactic. I'm like, cool. I have a bunch of musicians on my podcast and try to like learn stuff rather try to try to learn pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, yeah, osmosis. It was like I'm in uh, Kafir, like uh, over at Evil Snell, going like, so what's that you're using, Kafir? How does a compressor work, Kafir? <laughs> yeah. I usually just turn knobs and and hope something works works well and uh, i yet i still haven't made uh, where's the plugin that makes my voice sound like victor's voice this is this is what <laughs> the day i can achieve that i'll feel like i'm a pretty good engineer not an engineer but a uh is that insulting right if someone's like oh i'm an engineer because they like edit in pro tools you're like no you're not a fucking engineer dude you've never wired a room <laughs> I, it doesn't insult me you don't know signal flow <laughs> that's what everybody says right that's that's it signal flow that's oh, yeah. that's step number one so what are some cool bells and whistles over there at Horn Lizard, uh, aside from the Trident console? Uh, we've got a vintage U87. Um, we've got just a ton of mics. Uh, mainly it's the rooms, though. The rooms are really special. Just the shape, the way they sound. And is that something that you built out uh, different from that it used to be, or or is some of that original? It's the shapes of the rooms themselves are original, but we... We added wood and and mm. insulation and fabric and all of that to just manipulate the sound in the room with the way we needed to. And is it still connected? It was super where, live before. Is it is it still connected to where like it's part part of a house or did you open up some? Yeah. Okay, so it's like that, and you've got the main no, live room and then yeah, the control room. And then there's a part apartment on the other side. Yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. 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 Um, what's, what's your musical background, Carrie? How did you start singing, um, and get into music? Musical theater. Nerd. No. <laughs> when, I was, <laughs> when I was in kindergarten, uh, my first musical production was the three little pigs. And, uh, I was the littlest pig, I think, uh, in the straw house. And I just really loved to sing and I was a huge ham. So it worked out. <laughs> Um, and it's I good just think you were a little pig. Yeah, was that pun intended? <laughs> it was not. I'm glad I yeah. caught it. Um, for the sake of my father, I will say it was because he is the pun king. He'll be um, proud. He will be proud. Uh, but yeah, I just I always loved to sing. It was always something that was encouraged in my house. I grew up on musical numbers, like listening to Jesus Christ Superstar. I remember we would play pop stars when I was in elementary school. I always was Madonna because my hair was blonde back then. And I always wanted to be Paula Abdul. It was very disappointing. But Me that's too. just, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to be Paula Abdul? She was awesome. Straight up, straight up. Right? Um, 
And so it's just something that always stuck with me, but I never really sat down and learned an instrument. So it took a very long time to actually get into other types of music outside of theater because I also did acting. So it just made sense to put those together. And it wasn't until the band that shall not be named. Um, <laughs> Donkey that something. That's all I, I was really given that opportunity um, to play with other people. And it, it brought me out of my shell a lot because doing musical theater and acting is very different from fronting a band. Um, and it's a lot less forgiving fronting a band, at least in musical theater. The musicians are required to follow you no matter how much you fuck up. Whereas in a band, there's definitely um, a different energy because there's a lot more equity on stage and you want to make sure that there's a lot more communication going on with the other musicians and that you're all kind of on the same page and moving in the same direction. And it was not... I. I think it was a good band for some of those lessons mm. because I was not the only one learning them. Mm. Um, yes. So I was like, yeah, the whole band sucks. It was a good band to mess <laughs> up in. <laughs> I can't believe I left Odessa. My, my, my golden ticket hey, the, in Odessa for this bullshit. The, the band I played before that I played in before donkey Island, I was the only one without grandkids. So I think that was a step in the right direction at least. Oh, wow. Okay, well, um, you know, it's interesting what you said about it's almost seems like backwards. I would have thought like and I'm sure it is, but like musical theater is so precise. But you're right. I mean, the the music is is kind of following you as as the performer. Right. And but but to me, like mm. what blew me away when I and I, my, you know, as a guy over here who I love all kinds of music and and in recent years, especially I have be, just become. Cause I used to be like, ah, musicals, whatever. And it was something to like knock off during in theater class. You know what I mean? And, and then we did, I remember doing like South Pacific when I was in high school and I couldn't tell you anything about South Pacific cause all we did was fuck around, you know, but I, <laughs> Hey, I'm not proud of That's it. That's too bad. It, I know. Bali high is a good I know song. it's good stuff. Well, here's what blows me away. And I've in recent years, especially I've had some, some students of one female student in particular, who's just insanely amazing. And she's done auditions for, for, you know, various things. And I've learned some sort of Broadway stuff, you know, to, to play, to play along. And I'm like, wow, this stuff is incredible. I was like fucking like jamming out to, I'm not even ashamed. I was jamming out to songs for Mean Girls. The I didn't even know Mean Girls was a musical, but it is. And it was the shit. It was so good. Like, and all these like West Side Story and all these things. So, but, but the, that music is so progressive, you know what I mean? And it's so, it's insane. It's just absolutely insane to... So for a musician to to do that kind of stuff is is really something. And then I've only seen like, I think I've seen one, maybe one of their musical, but I've seen the Book of Mormon, which is like the greatest thing ever. I love the Book of Mormon. It's, it's good. so good. And mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the thing that really blew me away. I mean, it was great, you know, and I love everything they those guys do basically. But and the music and everything was fantastic. But just like watching the performances and the stamina, you know what I mean? And just like. It's incredible, like the choreography, but in everything, all fire, you know, uh, cylinders firing, whatever. Between all these these elements that are happening, it was just like, wow, this is so next level from like being a rock band. I mean, it's one thing if you're metallic and you got all this fucking crazy shit going on, like that's a huge production or whatever, or a big pop star actor. 
But, you know, the us guys that we get on stage and we play, I mean, seek irony is obviously a higher level. And Adam, you, you're a huge part of that with all the lights and all this stuff. And so you guys have, but I mean, a slob like me, you know, it's just like, okay, go. <laughs> it's like, all we got to do is play the song. Like when you're doing that Broadway <laughs> stuff, that's like insane. Like how much is going on? So that's incredible. And you're over here going like, oh, yeah, and being in a band is so hard compared to that. I'm like, what? That sounds backwards <laughs> to me. I guess it was just a new world for you. I think that's part of it. Yeah. It, it's just very different. Um, when you're, especially for me, being in a musical, I'm not me anymore. Yeah. I'm someone completely different. And so I kind of get to blame it on that person that I'm playing. Like, Everything I do is related to what the story is. And there's no story necessarily when you're in a band. You just, you play one song and then another song. And so that's another thing about musicals that I found a lot easier is that you were always following a trajectory in musicals. So it was always easy to know what the next song was because you literally walked into it and spoke about it. Um, whereas in a band, you're kind of looking at, at the set list and it was my first time going like, I don't remember what the next song is and what the lyrics are because it's completely unrelated to anything else we've done so far. Cause Adam picked this just stupid to song to be next that. and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't do so. Okay, lists. good. That's not my, that's not my right? job. I love the bands that just that's go like, <laughs> and I've totally been there where it's just like everyone gets on or it's like five minutes before the show and they're like, what's the set list? And you get the magic marker out and everyone's like. That uh-huh. has that. How do you guys roll? Is it really scripted, or do you just go like, "What do y'all want to play?" Oh no, it's scripted. Very scripted. Um, part yeah. of it is that uh, I just have tried to be very mindful of my voice and the way I sing some of our songs. Um, I can blow it out pretty easily if I'm not careful. So I try the way that I approach creating the set list is partly what I know I can sing well. Um, goes in different places depending on when I know I can sing it well within the set list. And then also I think it's nice just to give people a break. We do have enough variety in our songs. Right. You know, you're not just listening to a rock song after a rock song after a rock song. You can have some rock. You can have some um, like a ballad. You can have a, we've got a funk kind of song, some electronic swing all of these different elements. And so I like to mix it up because I feel like from an audience perspective, it's a little more engaging when you're not hearing the same kind of thing over and over again. That's one thing I remember about so. seeing y'all's performance on TV was, um, yeah, the dynamics and the one minute, you know, you've got kind of this, it's almost like there were like three parts. I think there was even a few maybe that were very sort of intimate, where it was like Adam on like a guitar, like a classical guitar or something mm-hmm. and you and like hardly any band at all. And then the and then the band with like the keys and the guitar and then the fuller band with like the the additional horns and the you know the brass. So there was a like a lot of different sort of layers. And I love that having dynamics within a set and it's not just a the same thing all night long. Especially from playing in rock bands. We're like, and here's another metal song. Surprise. Yeah. Yeah. It's for me it just it that's where I think the theater part of me comes mm-hmm. out is that I, I want it to not just be a bunch of people listening to our music and it happens to be live, but I want it to be a show that people are watching and enjoying. And in fact, I've even um, I took improv classes when I was doing acting and took some stand up classes and tried to really find my voice 
as a front woman in addition. Um, so that way I'm, I'm always constantly trying to get better and improve at filling the space between the songs. So that way, if we do need to do any sort of band change on stage or just to give people a little ear break, again, making it part of that show and telling some stories, trying to be interesting, talking about the origins of the songs, um, just to have something different in there. Stand-up classes, huh? What was that like? Um, I am not good at it. (laughs) (laughs) What do they make you do? Because I'm fascinated with stand-up, but I've never actually... I didn't know there was such a thing. Oh, yeah. There's a a science to everything, man, you know? Oh, there is. Yeah. I I didn't take too many, but um, I remember my first one, they just kind of... I mean, a lot of it is very much just... They tell you just talk. Find a subject or a story that you really feel something about and it could be anything um something that just really stuck with you and just talk about it um and you'll you'll start to find those moments and the biggest thing that they talk about is engaging with the audience like don't just talk at them try to talk with them so you'll have those moments you'll watch stand up and people will say you know, like they'll they'll start engaging with the audience and talking to them like, you know what I'm saying, right? Like you get it. Um, and that way you just kind of make the audience part of the mm-hmm. show in that way, even though they're not on stage with you. And I think those were those are the biggest lessons that I learned is you can't really be someone else in mm. stand up. You can try. Yeah. And for some people, it has worked. But some of the best stand up is just you being you and just talking about things that happened in your life. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of, of, of being a, a good artist in any medium is finding your voice and your way to do it, you know, and not trying to, and there's a lot of things that you can study, but it's just like, you can't, Robin Williams was never going to be Dennis Miller and vice versa. They're, that's their poles apart, you know, and mm-hmm. same way with, with musicians and, and, and all kinds of things. So that's pretty interesting. Um, are either one of you like a big stand-up fan? I mean, that's almost kind of a dumb question, I guess, because who doesn't love stand-up, right? But I'm a big stand-up comedian nerd, and we've talked oh, yeah. about a lot on the podcast with various people. Any influence in that world? I mean, I enjoy it, but I don't I don't really know. I, I wouldn't say I have any specific stand-up, um, like, favorite comedians. Adam? I think it, it's one of those things that it's so much better live yeah. because that's when you really get that back and forth and that engagement with the person on the yeah, stage. I, you know, I know there are tons of specials out there that are videotaped, but it's just not quite the I same. I love them. I mean, I love all that Nextwood stuff, but there is nothing like being in a comedy club in that moment with and with a great comedian. It's it's an, it's amazing. I, I didn't actually see any kind of live stand-up until, you know, I don't know, maybe about 2005 or something in New York, I think. And I was just like, oh my, it was so amazing. And I went there, I know this has nothing to do with you guys, but I went, I went there again in like, uh, not too long, about five years ago. And, and this, uh, Vic, hello, are you okay? He's blocking out his Keep. screen because he's munching on a donut. Don't want us to see. He's <laughs> just covered in frosting and shame. How's the, how's the cream, Vic? What's the cream level like? Oh yeah, it's creamy. The but anyway, level? this guy yeah. started railing on me and it was so much fun. And then just, you know, just to watch them. In the end, I think that's that's part of what I love about that. And like you were saying, Carrie, it's just the 
in the moment when the improvisation happens, and sometimes it's not as improv as you think, but it comes across that way. And it's it's magic. It's really really great, and I think that happens with with music and and stuff too. What about you, Adam? Are you a uh, are are you a, I I like to laugh, but I wouldn't say that I have a a favorite uh, stand up co- comic. This is like this is Adam watching stand up comedy. Ha. Hmm. Ha. ha. This is hilarious. That guy's funny. <laughs> I am gonna build something. <laughs> The lights are broken. Yeah, Somebody exactly. That. You just—that's what you would be doing. Being like, man, I would—I could make that stage so much better. Well, too much, yeah. a little too much. Two hundred hertz coming through the the subs on that. I ruin everybody's time around me, so I just have to keep my mouth shut. Don't go to a movie with me. You don't want to go to a show. I'll ruin it all. Are, for is you. this true, Carrie? Is, is, are you like that? Where you're just like, uh, are you the guy that's all, like when you go watch a movie, you're like. His gun would be out of bullets by now. Or like, are you? That's (laughs) not historically accurate. Or like one thing that drives me nuts, especially talking about guns in movies and shows, is how people are constantly putting their finger on the trigger. And I'm like, dude, you've clearly never actually held a real gun before in your life. Like, That's not. No, that's not acceptable. I totally just crazy. I totally just went Mm -hmm. and took. I'm I'm super excited too. like uh, I want to go. That's right. I want to go do some shooting. Oh, yeah, because I mean, I hadn't I mean, it's almost embarrassing to say, but I hadn't fired a gun in like years. And so I was like, I have a student actually who's uh, he's like 12 years old, but he gives gun class. He, he teaches, you know, firearms and stuff. And uh, he's not actually 12 years old. It was a terrible joke. This is why I'm not a comedian. But like <laughs> anyway, for like the longest time we had talked about it. And so finally I did this thing and I met up with him and it was like and it was it's so funny because it's like all that obvious shit. Like, oh, yeah, I. I not like I'm one of those guys, like, give me the gun, whatever. I'm a man. I'm macho. But I was just like, you don't even, he's like, there was this whole big thing before we ever fired a gun. Like, and I'm just thinking like, I'm going to walk in there and just be like, cool. What's, which Glock am I going to pick up first? You know? And no, it's like all this obvious shit, but it's like the most important shit. You know what I mean? And I have always been like that when some motherfucker is going like, uh, yeah, check out my blah, blah, blah. You're like, dude, like get that fucking thing out of my face. I don't care if it's not loaded or mm-hmm. not. It's a freaking gun, man. You know? Yeah, I'm so with you on that. I, I can't stand. And there's like rule number one. Do not put your freaking finger on the trigger. Yeah, I always wonder when I see movies like that. I'm like, where is the script supervisor? Like, who? why is no one putting a stop to this? Who approved this? <laughs> yes, I'm like that as well. Let's All talk right. More, but let's talk more about guns. Why not? Guns, donuts, guns. <laughs> I, I know mean, when I think of, when I think a caravan horn, I'm like that caravan horn, caravan. I'm like that is a that those those that band likes to shoot guns. That's what I see when I'm oh, like, yeah. man, they're just they like guns, like a tiny like, little twenty. Yeah, like to, no, like old school nineteen, like Tommy guns. With you guys like should have like Tommy guns oh, yeah. on on stage. <laughs> let me give you some. Specials. Let me give you some bad ideas on this podcast. <laughs> The, the new trombone design. Yeah. Oh, a Tommy. I, you know, Jerome <laughs> would like that. Oh, yeah. Jerome Chalk. What's his name? Chalk Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I do best is I fuck people's names up on this podcast. <laughs> would tell you what, you can have him on and make him pronounce it. Okay. That's okay. what you should do. Um, I'll do that one too. Adam, you, you look like you got you have guns, right? 
No. Really? No, I don't. I spend all my money on guitars. Well, let's talk about that because actually when I was at your place and you were, I think it was like my change of my brakes. I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> side, side note on my amazingly high quality a CRV, which look, I like my CRV. I did a lot of research on it. I know it's a soccer mom vehicle, but it gets good gas mileage. <laughs> that thing still runs. Well, listen, listen <laughs> to this shit, man. So, uh, okay. So I get this, I get this CRV. It was in great shape. You know, I've never bought a new vehicle, but this was the one vehicle that I was like, finally, when I had an old Jeep Cherokee that finally like shit the bed and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a dealership and I'm actually, and I, and I did a lot of research and I looked around, I was real meticulous and I found it, you know, the leather seats and then this and then that and the, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like, it was used, but you know, it was, it was pretty pristine. I got it. And I was really happy mm-hmm. with the whole thing. Immediately wreck it run into my best friend's dad's truck at his at his wedding so that was fun that was n- number one um and then there's your stand-up story yeah right and there. then I ran it well my life is just a stand-up story and then I ran into a like a, a parked dump truck in a parking lot and that completely totaled my the whole front of my car wait was this the same day no like a few months later maybe I mean this was and then I I mean all within like the first few months of this I just just told so it looks like shit like the hood's gone. I mean, it's like I had a replacement hood, but I didn't want to play for a paint job, so it's all rusty. It's just it's and it's just beat to hell. It's been keyed. It's just a disaster, and things were hanging off in this and that. Well, anyway, so it was super windy yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. This is the craziest shit. So there's a, and I've become one of those absolute crazy hermit people, especially I'm getting old and crotchety, but also now with the pandemic, like I don't want to leave my house for anything. Someone calls me on the phone. I look at it in disgust. Someone knocks on the door. I want to like run and hide. I just like become Boo Radley and shit. And anyway, so the doorbell rings and I'm like, oh, fuck. I go open the door and there's neighbors of mine standing in the yard holding my bumper. My entire, <laughs> my entire bumper flew off of my fucking car. And they were like, oh, it's. Is this your bumper? We found it in our yard. And like, do you want this? I'm like, oh, <laughs> holy shit. Thank you. So like literally right now, like there's just I have my the whole front of my car is sitting in my uh, entryway. I, I think you're more like Bilbo Baggins because Boo Radley just never showed himself or said anything. Right. Oh. So. No. OK. Yeah. That's I, the crotchety gotcha. thing. Yeah. I'm not really that well read. I just like to pretend I am. Thanks for blowing my cover, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking nerd. So, so Adam, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? Because I need a, a bumper replacement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what, geez, where did that tangent come from? So, I, I, I we. Know. I'm just uh, stuck on the Boo Radley thing. <laughs> Only you would like. That's, I love the way we're all like hung up on different things. I was going to talk about Adam's guitars, which led to a story about my bumper, and now you're hung up on me citing Boo Radley. Yeah. Meanwhile, oh, it's Robert Radley's first film role. So, Yeah, meanwhile, Caravan Thorne is just sitting there going, God damn it, I knew we should have said no to this podcast. <laughs> so what is this? First thing, how, people are going to be like, how was the podcast? Oh, well, the first thing you did was got her fucking name wrong. You know? Talk about donuts for 25 minutes. Bumper blown off his vehicle. So, anyway, Adam. Yeah. You have a deal with Kiesel Guitars. Is that still a thing? I I do. Yes. And so the day that I was, the day that I, <laughs> the day that I came over to your place to get whatever car maintenance done, 
Uh, you had a Kiesel delivered that day. I distinctly remember. I think it was like a classical guitar or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 It was super cool, man. And yeah, that's uh, it's got the Roland MIDI access in it. So I can use the, the Roland MIDI pedal and play my classical guitar or like a piano or wow. horns or didgeridoo or whatever. It's so badass, man. Kiesel yeah. is just killing it. Like, so what Kiesel was Carvin, Carvin right? Kiesel made Carvin's guitars. They've always been separate companies, but they made their guitars for them. All their custom shop stuff came out of the Kiesel factory. And see, I don't remember the name Kiesel until, you know, relative recent five, ten, you know, even like the last five years. So I guess it was around, but they've just blown up. And I mean, they've got all these fantastic artists like Alex Campbell, who's just, you know, these virtuosos Mm -hmm. like him and Gabriel Guardian. Born of Osiris just just, uh, signed with them. So they're, they're on the roster too. Yeah, oh, man, amazing. I see a lot of their not not as much lately, but uh I've seen a lot of their content and they're just who's that that one dude, man? Is that he's like the guy and he's just always doing yeah, he, he's just he owns the place. He's in charge wow, of it. Wow, dude. He does it yeah. all. Anyway, yeah, those are killer instruments, man. Um but I thought that was that was pretty cool. That's, you know, having to, having to deal with them. And you guys Were you there? I mean, obviously nobody was this year, but in 2020, were you at, when was the last time you were out at the NAMM show? Uh, that would have been 18, I think was the last time I went out there. Is that when you, uh, landed that thing or? <clears throat> yeah. Know? Yeah. That's when we signed with Kiesel. Cool. And that's when Rom got his deal with Dixon. Right. Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dixon's awesome and too. Sabian and whoever else he's with. Cool. Cool. But yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing some, uh, some new seek irony stuff as well. Um, oh, it's coming. Yeah. It's all recorded. It's ready to go. Very cool, man. Very cool. And Inch of Dark didn't... Um, did you guys put out an EP or what's going on with that? We we released a single and we're writing now. So we're working on uh, all, a whole new set. It'll have lights with it. You know me. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, so, I, uh, you, uh, yeah, I saw you guys play Come and Take It Live. I don't even... Th- I don't yeah. know if I played that show or not. I can't remember. But uh, you guys had... The whole the whole package. You had the lights and the whole yeah. whole thing going. We did a show. It was a Inch of Dark and Seek Irony, and then there was a couple other bands. I don't remember who ah, it was. It's been a while. That's right. Okay. But uh, that was a fun night because it was like cram the light, show up on stage, play a set, rip it off, throw another one up there, play another set. It was a fun night. What's going on with uh, <clears throat> with that band with IOD? Are you because last I had talked to Jerome that he was having some. I don't know if he had a surgery or something was going. Yeah. He's he's got some some back issues that he's working through and uh, doing some therapy and we're starting to move forward again. Okay. Writing new music. Cool, that's good to hear, man. Rehearsing. Um, yeah, because yeah, yeah, he's he's getting a lot better. I had a uh, you know, Skunk Fest was originally you know supposed to happen summer of 2020. And we pushed it back and pushed it back. And you guys were going to play again. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it's been pushed to August, and I think it's a go now. I feel like I feel pretty confident that might be a realistic thing to actually happen. So, um, I, I know that's kind of con, con, contingent on him, but I should probably fall. I'm kind of going yeah. like, it's been so long. I'm literally going like someone hit me up about it and I was like, Oh yeah. So, um, I'm really glad you contacted me cause I don't even remember who the fuck <laughs> talked to at this point. You know, there's like so many bands like over a year ago. So, and, and you guys too. And even maybe even when you were a caravan, like I think at a certain point, and that's from Tyler. I was like, I always kind of had that in my thought, like, oh yeah, you know, because I like to kind of open 
with some more acoustic and softer stuff and kind uh-huh. of ramp it up into the metal at, le- at least the last few years this year, I think maybe two days. So kind of give some more diversity, but, um, I, I don't know how many slots I'm going to end up having, but yeah, I'd love to have, uh, caravan thorn on there, obviously in the future as well. We we'll play. see. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'll see what happens. Um, so what is going on with you in, in terms of new music? Uh, are you guys writing, recording? What's what are the what are the, the future plans right now? We are constantly writing and recording. We never stop. Um, <clears throat> and it's so weird how we go about it because we don't have a formula for writing music. Uh, Carrie will write something and she'll record it. She has a little setup where she can record uh, basically on her phone. And she'll send me the tracks and I'll start working on writing music around that or I'll write something and send it to her. And she has a little book with years and years of lyrics that she's written and she'll just shit something out and it'll be the most brilliant thing you've ever heard. And it's it's almost too easy for us sometimes. And then when we get to one that we're struggling with a little bit and it takes a little bit longer, it's a little frustrating. But yeah, we, we constantly write. Yeah. It is a little too easy sometimes. It's, I just joined another a symphonic metal band and trying oh, to write wow. for that. It's taken me a month to write one song, whereas with Caravan Thorn, we can like bust something out in a week and it's done. Now, do you think that that's... Uh, first of all, I like to take mental notes for the synopsis. And um, Carrie shits out lyrical gold is definitely going to be... Uh, <laughs> yes. yes. So... Uh, when you're, do you think that's just because of the dynamic that you guys have been playing together for so long? It's just you're almost like you know kind of what the other person's thinking or where they're going, and is that part? I, of I it? think so. Uh, one of one of the songs off of our uh, our EP that we released, "A Home," uh, I was on tour in Germany with Die Krupps, Running Lights, and stuff for them in 2014. I think it was. Took my laptop with me, and I was you know writing MIDI, writing this piano part. Just got inspired a little homesick so I wrote a song at the same time Carrie wrote a song and I got home and that's what what it was we wrote that song on different sides of the planet and I didn't even know she was writing a song she didn't know I was writing a song it just came together like that we have a couple songs like that too Um, like She Bleeds came together like that that was one where he was like here's a guitar piece I wrote I'm like wait a minute wait I think I have something for that so I just have this pre-written song from 15 years ago that just kind of fit. Um, and I think, I think working together is definitely part of it, but I think there's just something about our own musical tastes and how we write. It just kind of fits together. And I think we're, I mean, out of all the people and all the musicians in all the world, I think we're pretty lucky to have found someone else that just kind of gets what we're trying to put out there. Uh, <laughs> you, you hear songs the way I hear them in my head. Exactly. Have you, Most of the time. Have you ever considered the possibility that maybe you were twins separated at birth and like Adam sort of got the Danny DeVito treatment and they were like, you're going to go to Odessa. <laughs> you're going to go to Odessa. And then, and then Carrie was like, and you get to go to Portland. <laughs> I mean, it hadn't crossed my mind, so but... Just, I think we found our next album cover. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get a DNA test and you're going to come back and be like, holy shit. Guess what? Guess what happened? Well, skunk, I guess. That's that's funny. Your podcast led to some interesting findings. Um, and then you find out you're related and you start hating each other and can't write together anymore. <laughs> Fuck you. 
how it is with me and my like my brother's the only person like we've written so many songs together and it's like the one guy where you could literally like we can write something that's just i think is just so you know the synergy is so much there but but at the same time you know it's just like fuck you, <laughs> you fucking, fucking stab you you fuck I, that's just the way we work you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as long as it works. Yeah. Um, Ram and Kafir have a little more civilized manner, I've noticed. Yeah. But uh, slightly civilized. <laughs> um, well, what do you got? What do you got, Vic? Um, I'm still thinking about that bumper being blown off your car. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to steal the show, but. Uh, yeah. I mean, I thought to myself, I'm like, is he actually talking about his bumper or did he blow out his O-ring in the bathroom? So what it was. No, no. Yeah. No, it was a literal. It's a little, this is okay. a literal. Yeah. This time. This time, this time it's literal. Um, <laughs> coincidentally. No. Hey Vic, before we started, um, I made a comment. I, what's going on with your t-shirt? Oh, the, well, uh, okay. Perfect time to ask Vic a question. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. You know, it's embarrassing. The last few weeks, I've been sending everybody these emails like, we've been using Riverside because it's so stable. And clearly it's not. <laughs> what happened to you, Vic? You disappeared there. Oh, I saw myself the whole time. Jesus. He just froze. Oh. See, it'll be interesting to find out if this stuff is actually really happening or if it's, <laughs> you know, it's only it's. Uh, I don't know. Just on one person's screen. I don't know. Anyway, what else <laughs> should we talk about on this podcast? Besides my T-shirt and your bumper being blown off, <laughs> we can't even see you anymore, Vic. Now, now we want to talk about your T-shirt and you disappeared. Oh, well, it's donut time again. Oh, okay. Vic's munching down. <laughs> hey, um, so w- the last show you played was February. Do you have anything on the books, or are you starting to look at any kind of booking again, or wh- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we don't have anything on the books. I. I feel like this will probably be the year that we could start booking again. But I mean, we do have a six piece band, Mm, so I would want to be mindful that um, I would like us all to be vaccinated before playing together again and then just be really mindful of um, where we're playing. But I kind of feel like you do that come August, fall. I know that where I work, UT, they envision going back to all in person in the fall. Um, I think with um, vaccinations ramping up and they're constantly adding new categories all the time, I really think that we could probably have um, total banned vaccination by the summer. And that's when I would feel comfortable starting to go out and play again. Um, I mean, personally, I'm vaccinated, so... I'm just, I don't need to look out for me. I just need to look out for everybody hey, else. What, um, um, in fact, I think Ryan is what too. What vaccine but. did you get, if you don't mind my asking? I got Pfizer. How how was it? Did you uh, did it mess you up or were you okay? A little bit. Um, I got it kind of late in the day. I actually volunteer at the vaccine clinic at UT, which is how I got it. Um, and it was really on the second dose. The first dose, I was just kind of tired. My arm really hurt because nobody warned me that you're supposed to move it mm. around a lot. And the second dose is really when it um, kicks your immune system into overdrive. So it it took maybe about 24 hours to really hit me um, or 18 hours, something like that. So I got it like 4 p.m. on one day 
And starting around 1 p.m. the next day, I just kind of started feeling really funny. Uh, one thing I've heard that I experienced from other people is all your muscles just feel tired and heavy and Did you feel sore. Tight, yeah, tight and sore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then probably by the very end of the day, I, I remember trying to take the dogs for a walk and we maybe got about a block and I just started shuffling and hunching over because I felt so bad. I'm like, why did I do mm-hmm. this to myself? Walking was a terrible, terrible idea. And by the time I went to bed, um, my my temperature was nearing 100, but never crossed the line. And then I woke up the next day and felt totally fine. Yeah. That's kind of seems like what I've kind of been hearing is just really kind of kicks your ass for a day and really a lot of fatigue, a little a bit of a fever, a little tight tightness, soreness, that kind of thing. And some people, I guess, maybe not so much, um, but usually the second shot. Right. And what are those like a month apart? Um, with Pfizer, it's three weeks. With Moderna, it's a month apart. Um, and I don't know what it is because Johnson & Johnson is the new one, but that's the older vaccine technology with Pfizer and Moderna. It's the mRNA, which is crazy cool. I mean, if you want to nerd out about something. Please, what's the difference? Um, so mRNA, <clears throat> the M literally stands for messenger. So it traditionally a vaccine would have like a dead or weakened um, virus within the vaccine itself. And so it basically just injects that into your body and that's, and your body learns to fight that off. Cause they're like, Ooh, this is a bad guy. Um, but because it's already weekended, you're not really, you don't really have the, the illness. Mm. So with the MRNA, you don't have any COVID in it. It's, um, it basically just like sends your body a Snapchat and it's like, Hey, do you see this virus? And even more specifically, it's like, Hey, do you see this tiny little like spike on this virus? Um, which is the part of the virus that actually makes it contagious and hasn't really changed and mutated that much, which is why it's um, those vaccines are they're they're seeing that they're covering a lot of the variants. So it basically just tells your body, hey, I'm going to show you a picture of this part of this virus and tell you that it's bad and that you need to learn how to defend yourself from it. And then the second booster shot is kind of the vaccine coming back again, saying, Remember when I told you that was bad? No, I really fucking meant it. Please start preparing now. So you never have any sort of virus in your system. And it's just so cool that you can write something biologically to put in your system that simply says this is a bad thing. Learn how to kill it and then disappears like it was never there. So it's it. I find it really fascinating, this technology. Hmm. That's amazing. So it sounds mm-hmm. to me, though, like the, the Johnson Johnson shot's not as good. It's not as effective. Um, I, I think it's just as effective as basically any other vaccine out there um, for any other virus or illness that you would find. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I, I, I mean, I couldn't really speak to why I haven't taken a biology degree or anything. I'm kind of like an overnight expert on mRNA because I just found it so fascinating that I wanted to learn as much as I could about it. Um, And I think it's because of the research that they did specifically on the COVID cells themselves and a little bit of luck finding that protein spike 
that really, I mean, once you take care of that protein spike, the cell itself is basically useless because it can't keep multiplying and, um, and spreading. And because it's attacking that very specific piece of a very small cell, that's probably, and don't take my word for it because again, I'm not a scientist, but my guess is that's why it tends to be a little more effective mm. versus just here's a single variant of this one virus um, putting it into your body and having your body learn how to defend from the entire virus as opposed to one tiny piece that exists on every cell. Mm. Wow. That's wow. Did you get all that, Vic? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm. mRNA. Johnson and Johnson's different. One dose vaccine. Vic, are you getting a vaccine or? I'm not uh, eligible yet. But you want to get one? Uh, yeah, when it, I mean, when it comes to my time, I'll get one. I I had a, uh, my cousin's wife worked, she works at Pfizer, so I know she's been part of that whole project manager. She pro, I think she's a project manager for the whole deal. So my sister-in-law got the, got the vaccine. I'm not sure if she got the Moderna or the, the Pfizer one, but she did talk about feeling, uh, a little tired and sluggish one of the days. I think it was like last last Friday or something. So, what about then, you, Adam? Uh, oh, I totally get it. Same when it's my turn. Yeah, when it's appropriate, I'll be the first one in line. I think it's supposed to open up in what April, May, or something for for. Well, the the president has given a. A declaration that it should be the beginning of May. We'll kind of okay. see how it goes through the rest of the population first, because that's a lot of doses that you have to get through before you open it up to everybody. Yeah. I know the UK is doing something a little bit differently. Instead of making sure that that um, everybody that gets a first dose gets scheduled and gets their second dose, they're making sure a lot more people get their first doses before that second dose is scheduled. So there's they're seeing like a I mean, it's having an impact, right? So they're seeing less cases, less hospitalizations, even with just the one dose. But they're trying to get everybody their first dose first. First dose first, yeah. Yeah, I haven't really been paying as much attention, but I mean, are, are the are the numbers, hospitalizations and stuff kind of going down a bit? Is that, a, a, is that trending right now, hopefully? For for UK or the US? Well, just anywhere. I mean, yeah, either one. I think, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the first time I feel like I'm sure a lot of people kind of like we were talking about like hey maybe we're at, maybe by late summer we'll actually be able to earn fall you know get out and feel i mean and i think a lot of people will still wear masks hell i might still wear, be wearing a mask and even after being vaccinated you know like but just having that comfort of going like all right most people now have gotten the vaccine you know just 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 ha- kind of starting to have a comfort i think so many people have so much preemptive stuff with and, and I'm not, you know, super like anti-opening, you know, and like I know understand the world can't just stay shut down, but it's just strange to me how many people were just like, oh, I'm losing my mind and I've got to go play a show. And it's like, okay, but we're like in a pandemic right now, <laughs> you know, it's just like, so it, it sucks to see all the venues that have, you know, gone under and that kind of and thing. And it's a tricky situation for sure. But that this personally for me, I think, and I would, I would think for a lot of people is the first time I felt like, okay, shit. Maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like maybe yeah. it's the first yeah. time I felt like 
not kind of going like, I don't know, looks like we're going to postpone again, but actually going, I actually think maybe August is realistic. I think maybe we can do something, you know? Yeah, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable um, having been vaccinated. And like it was a few weeks ago. So at this point, I should have I should have like full immunity. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I still wear a mask around because they still don't know. It, for one, it's just like I'm not wearing a big sign saying I've been vaccinated. I think it's a courteous so thing don't to do know. right now. Yes. Um, and they also, you know, they're just unsure about transmission, even if you've been mm-hmm. vaccinated. So it's just the honestly the polite thing to do. Like I'm no longer wearing the mask for me because Pfizer's, I think, 95 percent effective against covid. Um, but I'm still wearing it for other people mm-hmm. because. Just because I'm vaccinated doesn't mean that, A, I can be a dick about it for around people that aren't. Um, and B, I don't want to accidentally somehow, if they find it is still transmissible, right. even though you're vaccinated, I don't want to be that person giving it to somebody else just because they don't have the opportunities that I have. Like I lucked out working at UT and specifically the School of Social Work because that very small, small group of people got this opportunity to volunteer in exchange for a vaccine. And I know that not mm-hmm. everybody gets that. Well, on behalf of the Eclectic Soundtracks podcast, we'd like to thank you for not being a piece of shit. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um Fortunately, you came you came kind of late in the game. You didn't you didn't you didn't have to endure my early podcast rants about anti maskers. <laughs> so I'm all I'm all better now. You, you got it out, got it out of the system, yeah. right? That's all right. I have plenty of Facebook friends picking up that slack. Oh, man, thank what a crazy ass year. I mean, I don't know. Like, are we gonna are things gonna get any better, Vic? What do you think? Um, are people sure. gonna start being civil now? Are we just going to be able to so. sit down and eat donuts yeah. together? And well, I, you, know? you know, if people pull their face out of their phones and actually do something, I think we could do that. That's yeah. not going to happen. That's there's yeah. no. We're never going back to those days, man. No way. Read more books. Nope. Less TV. Not going to happen. Hey, are you guys? I know I'm being um 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 stereo stereotyping, right? Because you're sort of a sophisticated band and. You come from musical theater and Adam's real smart. So I'm assuming you two are readers. Are you readers? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can read. (laughs) (laughs) I love reading. Um, I don't do it nearly as much as I used to because I have been sucked into TV as well. There's unfortunately a lot of really good television out there. Um, But I definitely read every day for fun. Ew, gross. I (laughs) I don't read for fun ever. Missing out. I got lazy. <laughs> I just finished. I use Audible. I, I pro tools for fun. So see, I can't. I can't focus. If someone's telling me the book, I just start to get distracted, and then I have to rewind, and then it just becomes a lost cause. Telling so me I the definitely book. prefer. Is, well, we were joking around. Is that, is that what Audible is? Oh, oh, is that where it's books on okay, tape? I see what you're saying now. Kind of like the next generation. Right. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to read it in order to actually engage with it and understand it and keep it in my brain. I feel like I would read more if it wasn't so time consuming. But the irony of that is, is that of the time that I don't read because I think it's taking up too much of my time. I literally probably just sit staring at a wall and going like, (laughs) like thinking about all the things I should be doing. So when I could just, I might as well just read a book and 
you know, waste time that way. Right. <laughs> so. Or I do it right before bedtime. So, you know, we'll, I'll go to bed a little early and give myself 20, 30 minutes a night to read. What's, uh, what's one of your favorite books or a couple of your favorite books or authors? Are you a fiction or nonfiction or? Science fiction. Science fiction. Um, yeah, I would say reading Dune Ooh. really changed yeah. ever like everything for me. Before that, I was very much into horror. I was a huge Stephen mm, yeah. King fan. Um, and then Dune and Frank Herbert just kind of opened up this whole new world um, of science fiction that I found I really, really loved. And so I I eat it up. Um, I'll read other things. I'll read some fiction, some fantasy. Um, but really, that's that's my favorite is just because I think part of it is that you get to live in this other space and time that feels like yours, but it's different. So there's a little bit of that fantasy element to it. And I also find that science fiction tends to be um, very hopeful, uh, especially any sort of space opera type science fiction. You're talking about far in the future when we're traveling to other worlds, which as someone who as a child wanted to be an astronaut just sounds really exciting. The idea that we could go to worlds that we don't even know exist right now. Um, and science fiction has also historically been very, very progressive mm-hmm. more so than um, other areas and other genres yeah, no in that they're looking at the world. I mean, even just reading a book, sometimes it's hilarious reading old science fiction. I just finished uh, Ubik and I'm blanking on the author's name, um, but it was set in 1992. Wow. Uh, and they really thought that a lot of things were going to be different in that time. Um, but even then it's, you know, it has these, this diverse cast of characters because science fiction writers knew that that was the future, that eventually everyone would just get over their differences and realize that we're all just human beings trying to make it on this tiny little rock. That's the optimism. Um, So that's, there's the, yeah. What, what's better star Wars or star Trek? Personally, I like Star Wars. Um, Not that I've had, I have anything against Star Trek. It was just, I probably just watched it first and got into it That was the correct answer. We'll keep the podcast going. (laughs) Uh, What about you, Adam? Um, We know you don't read. What do you like better, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, Star Wars. I don't, I don't know that I've ever made it through a whole episode of Star Trek. (laughs) There's so many fucking Star Treks though, right? Oh, wait about, what about Stargate? Wow, the, J- the James Spader, that. Kurt Russell movie? Yeah. Well, and now there's like five different series oh, really? based oh, on I it. Don't, I don't even know. Yeah. I've never seen any of the yeah. series. It's just the movie. up with that shit. Yeah. Um, but Are you looking forward to the Dune the movie coming out? Starling. I thought a new one just came Maybe. out. No? No, uh, I think it was no pushed back to this year. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Um, the Expanse novels are pretty good. I actually started <gasps> on the first one. And I just ordered the first one. It should be here like next week because I've been watching the series. Look how nerdy, look how nerdy they're getting I know. at them. I know. <laughs> the Expanse series is probably one of the best things out there right now. Oh, yeah. It is so good. It's, yeah. Any favorite Stephen King novels? Everyone's read at least one Stephen King book except for oh, Adam, yeah. maybe. Adam was like, I refuse to read. That bullet was out of gun. Not that I refuse that, to. That, that gun was out of bullets in chapter one. This book is shit. it is. <laughs> you just need to slap a Pro Tools instruction yeah. cover on it. Yeah. 
You got to trick him with that. Read a, <laughs> the majority of my uh, of tech my reading. reading is tech tech reading. How does this work? Uh, that type of stuff. Useful reading. For me, it is. But I go. It's like with music, and I don't. I do this with like piano and classical music and certain a lot of things. I think I very I very I'll go through phases. And so there'll be, there's been times in my life where, when I went through phases and I read a whole bunch of books, you know, and, and a bunch of King books or this or that. And then I just won't read anything for a long time. And it's kind of weird. But yeah, I'm curious because you mentioned Stephen King. What, what, uh, any particular favorites? Um, any favorites? I mean, I know it, it feels like it's everybody's because it's one of the most well-known, but I really did enjoy The Stand, um, which is kind of creepy to think about it now because it all started with a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked his stuff as a... Oh, my goodness. I can't remember. It, Richard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Richard, Richard. Uh, Bachman. There you go. Bachman. Running Man. Yeah. Yes. Or the regulators. Oh, um, I don't that know that. one was super fucked up. <laughs> it was actually I. So the regulators, I think, was um, either a prequel or a sequel to Desperation, which is interesting because he wrote Desperation as Stephen King, and then he wrote the regulators as Richard Bachman. Um, and I think I remember reading an interview with him where he said, as Richard Bachman, he got to go like even crazier and darker than he felt like he could as Stephen King. Um, but one of the things I like, I mean, it's just, it, I probably read it at a time when I was enjoying really fucked up shit. <laughs> so I just remember really liking it. And then, so I ended up reading desperation after reading the regulators. And honestly, I couldn't see how one was more a sequel than another. Um, but what was fun about reading desperation is that it was based on a town I actually lived close to in Nevada. So if you ever go to Ruth, Nevada, there is this giant open pit mine and the town itself is basically like one bar and a few houses. And the story goes that Stephen King was driving his motorcycle down highway 50, which is the loneliest highway in America, which I've driven myself a few times And he goes through this town and it was just empty and it looked like a ghost town, like right next to this giant open pit. And it gave him the idea for the story. So it was kind of fun Mm. driving around and and seeing how he could be inspired by something like that. So was that the whole point of the Richard Bachman stuff was that why, why did he do that to just I think that was why it was just who so he could he could try different things and just get a little more insane with it without risking his career as Stephen King. Cause that was still pretty relatively early on, right? Early eighties or when he started doing that mm-hmm. or those books you're citing yeah. around that time. Um, the regulators I feel like came out in late nineties, early. 2000s. Oh really? And that was Bachman, not King. Bachman. Oh. Yeah. Adam, who is your favorite tech author? <laughs> what's your favorite? What, what's Inspector Number Three Forty Five? What's your favorite? Pro, what's your favorite Pro Tools manual? <laughs> <laughs> the one for the current Pro Tools. Yeah, exactly. The one that has the glossary. Hey, 
is there a fucking quick command for setting up a click track? That's the dumbest thing that I they don't have that. But someone told me there it is pretty. But dumb, someone yeah. told me there was one. The other was that someone we interviewed, Vic. Right. I feel like this recently someone was like, "Oh no, it, there is." But yeah, um, always do it the hard way. Yeah, that's like one of those things. I kind of I kind of zone out when you start talking Pro Tools, though. So to be honest, <laughs> well, I'm not talking about it with Adam because I can't fake it. A lot of times I just make stuff up, and then the guest is like, "Oh yeah, totally," and I'm like, "Aha, you logic user." <laughs> I remember telling some people to listen to the the Marker Sully podcast, and they were like, "It was it was a little technical." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, it was pretty technical." All right. <laughs> you guys started talking about cables. Oh yeah, cables. We what were the name of those cables, by the way? Do you remember? I just remember that uh, there was like an air bubble. Oh yeah, built into that thing. Well, Adam, like some insulation. You're you're the kind of guy. I'm sure you would know all this tech stuff and probably build, could you know build your own cables and do all these things. Do you have? What is your thought on cables? Cabling. Do you have a? <laughs> what is my do, thought on cables? Do you like cables or not? <laughs> I, you know, they're important, but I mean, they, do you use like specific cabling? Is there no, no, no oh, I wow, don't. really? I, I don't see any point in spending $50 on a $3 cable. Um, I'm the, I'm the type of guy you're right. Would solder them together and make my own cables. And you have, right? And yeah. And <laughs> I have, I do that. Um, what kind of strings do you <clears throat> use? I use, uh, I've been using SIT strings pretty exclusively for the past uh, couple of years. I really like them. Um, the, the stainless steel strings, they stay bright longer without going immediately dead like the Ernie Balls do. How dare you, sir? How dare you, sir? Ernie Ball, <laughs> Ernie Ball are friends of Eclectic Soundtrack. Vic, I'm not saying they're bad. If, to edit that. if I could, if I could play like three songs and then have someone change it and then play three more strong songs, they'd be perfect. I love how they sound <laughs> for about 15, 20 minutes. And then they just sound like they're dead. I don't to me. know, man. I'm very, You're dead to me, man. I'm very skeptical. You're over here saying cables don't matter, but string. I don't know, sir. This is, this is very fishy. <laughs> what are, the, what are the, the new, the kind of strings on your new Kiesel? Oh yeah. I got a, uh, I got a fretless. And uh, it has flat wound nylons on oh, it. Oh, wow. Uh, a fretless bass? Fretless acoustic five-string wow, bass. Wow, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Keezle. And that's how it came. So that's I haven't bought any new uh, strings for it yet. But I'm, I'm interested to find try different stuff on it. How many, how many uh, Keezles do you have now? Um, four. Yeah, four. Um, three basses and a guitar? three basses and then the midi guitar and one of my basses i actually put a midi pickup on it so i can play cello wow. and stuff with do it you um what about um like amps and stuff like that now when you record do you go amps or do you do di and and oh I, I do amps i'm i'm old no. school it's funny uh i'm kind of the opposite of alex because he's super you know kemper and um kemper and everything kemper mm-hmm. and i have a 1980s tube amp in my rack and uh my cab is something that I bought in the nineties that I've just torn apart and rebuilt. And the box is the only thing that's original, but I still have the original five first amp. I still use it in every show. It's just everything. And it's been gutted out and replaced. What's, um, what's your, uh, so what's your cab? What, what's your speaker set up? 
It was uh, an old PV, one of those cheap cab, 410 cabs that everybody had. And I brought it, I bought it in a pawn shop and I brought it home. And within about 45 minutes, I blew two of the speakers in it. So uh, I went online and found a, a manufacturer or a, a distributor for Eminence. And I replaced all the speakers mm. with Eminence Kappas. And um, it's been rocking and rolling ever since. I beat the hell out of that thing. And it's it doesn't care. I, I use it as a guitar amp. I use it as a bass amp. It sounds great on everything. Wow. Carrie, what kind of strings and uh, and speakers do you use? <laughs> Whatever Adam has. <laughs> do you have a particular? Do you have like a, a a fancy gold microphone that you have to use, or you or you pout off stage? I could if we could figure out how to make it work. I Adam could build you one. Do I have it with me? Get, get just. I Did found this. It? Leave him a man. Just leave a book by I'm, the toilet. Says like how to build a gold microphone. The next day so, he'll have a fucking gold so microphone. So I actually found. This karaoke mic, um, and it's like you know, just for kids, but it's completely bejeweled, and like I don't think it's it's rose gold. That's what it is, and I really want to figure out how to turn it into a real mic <laughs> because it is price. so ridiculous <laughs> and amazing, and covered in fake little jewels. That's yeah, I I feel like I encourage this. Make it. Ha- Adam, and as they would say, as Captain Picard would say in Star Trek, make it so. <laughs> make it so. All right. I'll make it so. Engage with this microphone. A bedueled, a bejazzled, dueled, whatever microphone we will have. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. Our bejazzled mic. <laughs> what about, what about, uh, what, wait, do we already co- cover this or is, is does Adam, do you watch movies? <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, I watch a lot of movies. Okay. So you and I are the non-readers, so yeah, it's our turn to talk. Probably, what, what, movies. What are your what are, <laughs> what are your what are your favorite? What are some of your favorite movies? Oh man! And don't you dare say how to build so and so. Like it's <laughs> HGTV. <laughs> no, I like I like comedies. The sillier the better. If it doesn't make any sense at all, that's what I want to watch. Ah, Steven Seagal movies. Oh yeah. man. That, <laughs> Now I really, I really want to watch. I really want to go to like see like you know Anchorman three at the theater with Adam because now I've got it in my head that it's this hysterical slapstick nonsense is happening and Adam's just sitting there going ha <laughs> ha ha that's that's funny <laughs> oh oh so what are some of your favorites because I'm I'm a silly movie guy too um. Some of my favorites that put me on the spot. Clearly, I, I know um, it's hard to remember things. Movie. Yeah, like, it you is. know that guy with that one movie. Busted. Never um, watched a movie in his life. I <laughs> <laughs> didn't have movies in Odessa. <laughs> damn it. Yeah, uh, that's part of my job. Actually, is building movie rooms, so I get a lot of that. At a little, you know, little pieces of movies at a mm. time where I have to calibrate a room. And oh, I really want to watch that movie. So that's and I'll never why you see like the, rest the ones of it. that don't make sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> you only see little bits I'm never going to see the end of He's it. He's like misplay, like placing bits and pieces of different movies together. And you're like, what the hell plot is what? And, I, and I'm just <laughs> fucking people's YouTube or their uh, Netflix cues up. Just throwing random shit in there in their house. Nice. Like, who's going to get blamed for watching this one? Ruining marriages. What was the last movie you saw? <laughs> <laughs> Ruining <laughs> 
that has happened actually. You've ruined marriages. <laughs> had a customer, had a customer that had this big remote control, and you know he was he was a funny guy. So I put on a an icon that was the Playboy Channel, but when you push it, it went to like QVC or something like oh. that. His wife, he thought it was hilarious. His wife was not about oh, it. Wow, get that shit off that remote. <laughs> He's like, no, don't do it. It's funny. Goes to QVC. Well, I guess that keeps her from shopping all day. <laughs> it didn't actually. That's actually pretty smart, right? Yeah. I'm not going to watch this filth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, I'll, Vic, help, man, before I start talking about porn. Yes. Get me out of this. Help. <laughs> We've got a lady on the show, damn it. I got to, I got to have mind my manners tonight. Oh yeah, and it was just Adam. I can't tell you what my favorite porn is. So. <laughs> just, just so many, right? Just so many, <laughs> right. so many porns. Is that one with the guy and the thing? Yeah. The weird shit. We did watch a lot of weird shit when I was in college. Man, porn gets really weird. <laughs> like you said, we're not going to talk about porn. We're just talking about porn. This is great. Keep going, please. <laughs> I mean. Like once you've seen a bunch of grown men in diapers. Whoa! It's like, hey! Wow! Yeah, I don't. This is the, this is the first time this I've been about. upstaged. Holy <laughs> shit! What the hell just happened? But then some of it uh, is like so well produced. You're just like, damn! They put a lot of money into this weird ass fairyland shit. Yeah, it used to be. Yeah. I always like we've talked about the movie Boogie Nights, and I just love that movie. I think it's hilarious and just brilliant. But like. You know, because the whole thing used to be about the production of the movie. You got this director and he's all passionate about the film. How dare you insult me with videotape? You know, I'm a filmmaker and, and you know, and this whole big thing. And you go watch it in a theater and jack off and watch the rest of a movie. It's very bizarre. And now it's like, you know, that what's weird is like things are so, other than this podcast, which is a grainy pile of shit, things are so HD <laughs> and so amazing, right? So it's just like, wow, hello, every single... <laughs> crevice of your you know orifice you know i mean it's just crazy and and, and fascinating am i right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> the first time i ever saw like true high def i was at a, a training class for this super high-end uh projector manufacturer and they they bring it up and it was a i don't remember what movie it was but i remember it was jennifer anderson and she comes on the on the screen and you could see the line where her makeup was down wow. her chin like, well, Hollywood's about to have to step Dude, it up because yeah. it was bad. And there's people like, that's what they do, man. I mean, what is it? 27 blah, 30 frames a second, right? And they go through and yeah. just go through each frame and like clean up the celebrity faces and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, right? No, thanks. Can you imagine like, I what if that, like, that's one thing if you're doing that with like, okay, yeah, what's your job? Like, oh, I'm like, I'm like totally, uh, yeah, we're doing the, we're making the whole Friends series HD. I'm just going in and cleaning up. But then there's like that other guy, right? Like somewhere someone's like doing that with porn and they're just like, yeah, you know, I just really trying to touch up this butthole. It's like, it's a week long project. <laughs> Photoshopping ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your day job? Mm, it's, it's interesting. 
Sounds a lot like <laughs> editing drums sometimes. No, I, no, I honestly, I'd rather stare. At, I'd honestly, I'd rather stare at a butthole all day. Like that's <laughs> if I could, if I had to go back and edit, do some of the drum editing I've done, uh, or someone said you have to edit this butthole for you know two months, I would go out oh, butthole, please. Far, <laughs> please, far less painful. <laughs> Jesus, that's a good. That's actually a, a, a good parallel there, Adam. Um. My, I don't know. I mean, one thing about this podcast that I'm never going to get out of my brain is this bizarre diaper porn reference that, that <laughs> Carrie made. That's, that's you just went into the Bachman realm of porn. Like you've got your normal Stephen King porn, and then you got this, oh, yeah. this oh, no, diaper and they were orgy Bachman wrestling stuff. ring. Too. Oh dear God! Like it was like fi- yeah. This. This porn made no now, sense. Is, is this like a bunch of a bunch of you know you and your 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 girls pals? Your gal pals? That was uh, my uh, my roommate. You and your roommate just like that's the thing, right? Like okay, so here's the thing. Like most guys watch porn, right? Or maybe not. I mean, most guys. What is the whole thing? It's like you either eighty percent of guys jack off, the other twenty percent are liars, that kind of thing, right? And so <laughs> guys, it's just the thing, and you talk about it and ha ha porn. Some girls though are like ah. Ugh, gross, disgusting. And other girls are into it, right? Clearly Carrie's into it. And so you, but but that's the thing. Like, it's different because guys are just like, yeah, you know, two people or, or a dude and 500 chicks or whatever. But, <laughs> but I think with an average straight guy, it's like one dick and like as many women as you can get in, in frame is kind of like, I think, what the expectation is. <laughs> Um, maybe that's just me, but that's just my, but, but with women, I think it's like this whole other thing of like, it's hilarious, right? Cause like, maybe you want to like, you, you expect a story or some kind of, um, Hey, some of them do have stories. What, what's her name? Jenna, was it Jenna Jameson? Up, it brings up Jim, Jenna Jameson. The... Yeah. Old. She's all worn out. She's <laughs> like the, her movies she's old, like had Madonna's. stories though. Yeah. But like back in the day, back in the day, she was, they had, you know. they had full stories. They, everybody tried to actually act in those. And I like the way you said tried to. Yes. Oh, the funniest thing, <laughs> you know, what's better than porn is the AVN awards. That is the, fu- have you ever watched the AVN awards? That's like the funniest shit ever. Oh my God. It's, it's so good because you'll, what else, you'll get someone on stage like the Academy awards, right? And they're like, I figure like HBO or something used to air these. I, I don't know. But it, it, someone get, literally will get on stage and just be like in almost in tears. And so I'm it's like, I just I would have, you know, it's like best anal, you know, double penetration scene. They're like, I've worked my whole life for this. And I just want to think. And it, I, I, it means so much to me. And I mean, and you're literally getting an award for like taking it up your ass. Like it's hilarious. So I I recommend and that. The, uh- Best editing award for best editing those two. Best, but, best <laughs> editing award, yeah, for the fifth year in a row. Skunk Manhattan. What can I oh. say? I just uh, yes, I want to thank God. I want to thank God. And, uh, yeah. My mom and dad. Oh, dude, for real, right? That's like the that's like the, the gangster rap thing, right? Where they they every song is like, yeah, yeah, kill everybody, and then you know I'm beating up my hoes and murdering rival gang members and i'll say this as white as possible right and then and then they they win a grammy and they're like i like to thank god oh yeah because that checks out you know <laughs> <laughs> um what else what else what's your favorite tv sh- um, what's your favorite tv show non-porn <laughs> non-porn tv show 
Wait, they make porn TV? <laughs> I actually, I actually <laughs> it was just movies. I actually met like a really creepy porn guy once, and he he was with uh, it was like an it was like a it was very bizarre. It was like a someone I met like not online. It was like a phone thing. It was years ago in L.A. Like the kind of stuff I would never talk about now. I just don't give a fuck about anything. But like I met up with this girl, and we like went somewhere, and then she like apparently. Everyone in Hollywood's a liar, so who knows? And she like apparently dated Fred Durst, so that was disgusting. And then like, <laughs> and then we ended up hanging out at some bar, and it was like some creepy weirdo porn guy with like a cane, and he was had apparently dating the heiress to, to Carl's Jr. It was very bizarre. Hung out with some, and but they were talking about a series they did that was a but was like based on the remember Road Rules that MTV show. Yeah. It was basically like road rules, but people fucked. <laughs> so I guess it was like bang bus. Different kind of road. <laughs> I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Uh, it's quite, I love your artistic vision there, sir. So I did not right. get the audition, but I tried. So anyway, yes, the TV shows. Came up a little short. Yeah, just just, a, just. I mean, honestly, just about like six inches. They were they wanted that. They wanted a seven inch cock, and I. Sorry, Carrie. Just too short. Oh. You know what? I, I mean, mean that after your diaper remark, I'm not. Follow. I have no. I'm not going to feel bad about anything I say. Um, I would say my favorite TV show right now is The Expanse. It's just it is so good. I imagine the books are probably just as good if not better but that show just i mean if it's been what like five seasons and Mm -hmm. it kills it every season god i regret asking this question because i've already lost i've wasted so much of my life after like getting recommendations for netflix shows on this podcast i completely (laughs) fucked up and watched all the cobra kai in like a week the expanse (laughs) i will i refuse to watch Mm -hmm. it you're messing Is that up. on Netflix? Please say no. Amazon. Amazon. See, I have that, but I'm like an old lady with a with a almost set of VCR. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. I'm like, I don't know how to operate the Amazon. I don't know. <laughs> Adam, what's your favorite show? Or one of them? I uh, <clears throat> I started a show last night actually called Raised by Wolves. Ooh. Um, oh, on Max. Yeah, and it's uh, it's basically like they sent some robots with some like human embryos to another planet to see if they could raise them, and all the stuff that goes on. It's pretty that interesting. That actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and that sounds like up yeah. your alley, Carrie. Sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Are you like super? Yeah, I'd have to buy Max though. <laughs> yeah, it's on HBO Max. Oh, are are you uh, are you like super stoked about this whole Mars ro- rover thing going on? I mean, we keep sending rovers up there. But so this I'm one's like, supposed well, to find, start, you know. Start sending some people. Right. It's supposed to find some kind of like something. Or I guess we, each time we just get better photographs, right? That's the thing. But this, we're just going to get better photographs. More HD. More yeah, HD we just Mars. get more information. I think it's supposed yeah. to start well, a Starbucks franchise up there somewhere. That will be the first thing that'll happen. Like, it'll just be immediately corporate. Be like Walmart. Well, um, Bezos probably already owns the fucking planet. What what was the movie that Brad Pitt was just in recently where he had to go chase oh. after his dad, right? And uh like he he went to another space terminal. It was just like an airport. It was all commercialized. There's like Starbucks and whatever. You know, he's walking through the space terminal and it's just like an airport. 
thought like that was pretty Astro funny. Astro something, Astri, Astra. Yeah. Something Ad Astra? Ad Astra. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Never heard of that. Guys, yeah, it's kind of I a weird movie. I didn't get into that one. Yeah, it started off so slow, I ended up giving up. It's all like a quick glimpse of... Uh, Usually, like when like Entertainment Tonight or one of the or one of those kind of things comes on, like I literally like say the words "gross" and change the channel or like TMZ or something. I'm like, ah, but I think I heard something like Brad Pitt in trouble, like for something with Angelina. Jo- Y'all know what I'm talking about? When is he not? I don't in know, but like I don't know if it's a, a domestic Jolie. abuse or something. They're not even married. I feel but. like in the media they have the most volatile relationship. Are they still even together? Right? I mean, they've got like seven hundred kids, non biological. But are they even married? <laughs> I don't. I think, think they got so. divorced. Right? Mm-hmm. Who gives a shit? Maybe. I don't care about Brad Pitt. I don't give a <laughs> yeah, fuck about exactly him. Like, huh? Who fucking cares? Fuck assholes. Fuck you, Brad Pitt. So what? What is the? Um, oh, Vic. Right, so is share. Have yes. you guys heard this about Sharon Osbourne? What's going on with that shit? <laughs> Apparently, she's a racist or something. Oh yeah, I don't know. It was something to do with that whole Oprah Winfrey interviewing the whatever royalty that nobody I don't care about. But uh. um, it was the cute son. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. Harry, oh. Harry and William. Harry turned out to be the cute one. Oh, well, every oh, they oh, that whole I always have been just so bored with all that goddamn queen English shit. I don't give a fuck. And some people are so interested in it. I'm like, God, really get a life. Who cares? Well, I, I but think it that's does kind of suck for them like that. That does suck. Like they're getting all it's like, Jesus Christ, people like got these dinosaurs over there that are like, we can't have a royal son who's got darker skin, you know, like. They'll all be dead soon anyway, so uh, allegedly, allegedly, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Nobody, nobody was there, but uh, whatever. But anyway, Oprah says so, is so, uh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think where Sharon Osbourne came in was that um, what was that dude on CNN? Pierce Morgan, right? He hosts. Uh, mm. He was hosting Good Morning Britain or whatever the heck they That's have over there. Who knows? <laughs> But he was he he mentioned something about the interview or something, and people got mad at him. And Sharon Osbourne, I guess, is friends, and she was like, she just basically friends with Pierce Morgan, so they like jumped on her and whatever one of those TV shows are, like The View or whatever that, what is it, The Talk oh. or whatever, one of those TV shows that just I don't see why they're on the or air. women sit around the, a yeah, table the, and four annoying gossip. women sitting around a table yes. being obnoxious. Yeah. That show, yeah. That one, yeah, and so uh, I don't know, but because she was friends with Pierce Morgan, she's a racist or something. I have no idea. I that don't sounds, care. That sounds accurate to me. Yeah, I believe it. Well, <laughs> works for me. Burner. I, I was more fascinated with the uh, donuts. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, oh, did you get that book? I did get, dude. The book. Yeah. So this podcast yes. is going to be out. Well. You know, every podcast Probably. is like way late. So <laughs> this one will come out in like 2022. But like uh, the one that's yeah. going to be out, I guess, tomorrow, what, which will have yeah. been like two weeks ago. Who knows? Uh, yeah, we had this dude on and it was amazing, dude. He was telling us all kinds of crazy shit about the uh, Ozzy, oh, the, the Hollywood Sharon and, and all this fucked up shit that went down with, you know, the old bandmates that never got paid and got fucked. You know, you know all that, Adam? I'm like the, the guys that played on those original records, like they recorded over their mm-hmm. shit and all that kind of stuff. 
yeah. all that all that stuff and just all this nasty Sharon Osborne business. So then when somebody said something about her getting in trouble, I was like, oh, this is perfect timing because <laughs> we're just, this dude was just railing on her on the on this recent episode. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so <laughs> Vic liked it. I I was just fascinated that whole that whole episode was just really about Bob Daisley, right? And then uh, and then all the behind behind the music type of drama with all these different bands. So, well, yeah. But according uh, to Minnow, nobody ever recorded their own album ever. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, except for except for Anthrax, Charlie Benante. Yeah, what little that but, shit uh, I learned. Charlie was a, a badass. Hey Adam, what are some of your like favorite bass players, or what influenced you from early on in terms of what made you want to play bass? Who are you super into? I remember the day it was. I was a, uh, I was so young, and I was like many of us at that age watching Beavis and Butthead. Oh yeah, and they they had a uh, they had a soundtrack, and there was a Primus song on it. That was the first time I ever heard Primus, and that changed my oh, life. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned Beavis and Butthead. I was like, man, I hope he doesn't say Kip Winger, right? <laughs> so they had that little friend that had the Winger T-shirt, right? Uh huh. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, well, look for the record. I mean, I'm sure Kip Winger is. I mean, he's probably made a lot of money off it, but I'm sure he's he's probably like, ah, oh, God, I really wish I hadn't written a song that, that it totally makes me look like a pedophile now. But but <laughs> but the whole thing about like he's actually like a really good musician. I heard he. Um, I could and a dancer too, apparently. Really, I'll suddenly Carrie's interested. Hey, he's got the Broadway chops, does he? Like, sorry, that's how your entire demographics talks in my head. I apologize, but does he? Oh, yeah. Oh, B. Oh my! I'd like all of a sudden everyone who likes Broadway musicals is English. I would like some tea. Go go check out some of those Winger videos, man. He's doing like some. Little spinning oh, yeah. things, or whatever. I bet all those fuckers probably took ballet back then. Pirouettes. Man. There you, yeah, pirouettes. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I, I could be wrong, but I think oh, I could be so wrong. I think he like produces stuff and does this, and then I actually think that he worked on. Oh man, I, I, I don't. This can't be right. Somehow there's I got him and Alan Parsons in the same sentence, and that just doesn't seem like it's right. But but I think he's done some production on stuff where he like orchestrates and actually does like he's a legit musician. So anyway, okay, whatever. I, well, I <laughs> sure, certainly didn't know we were going to talk about Kip Winger on there. How the hell? Where did Kip Winger come from? Oh, Bick brought that up. Yeah, well, but, Beavis and Butthead. And again, this is my this Beavis is my favorite part fun. of the podcast because this is where we really scare our guests, and we and we're like, yeah. We don't know. We'll get it all wrong. Like, uh, and and so when the when the list comes out and we have the little write up, it'd be like Adam was initially influenced heavily by by Kip Winger, <laughs> <laughs> loves sci-fi and men in Re- diapers, men- <laughs> <laughs> diapers, diaper porn. Edit that part Adam out. Adam Donovan, a big diaper porn and Kip Winger fan. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know I mean, where the else the headline to go just now. writes itself right yeah. there. I have to rewrite my bio. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, for a nominal fee, I'll, I'll do. A, I'll do. I'll write a bio for you. So I mean, I've got. I think I've got all the facts I need. So Kip Winger, anyone else that was a huge uh, influence for you? <laughs> uh, 
Let's play pool. Uh, just right. <laughs> just music musically uh, in general. Uh, it was you know the classics, uh, Pink Floyd, your Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. you know Frank Zappa. Nice. That's what I grew up listening to. Uh, my dad uh, really encouraged that a lot. That type of music. So excellent, good, good. good. <clears throat> still into it. Still, inc- still uh, inspires me to this day. Yeah, same here, man. And so, Carrie, coming from a musical theater background. What are enlighten us schmoes that don't know anything about you know things with the you know of the of the aristocratic uh, higher <laughs> tiers of society, <laughs> uh, us lowly rockers? What what um what are some like really good like musicals? Ooh. Oh goodness, um I haven't really kept up with it. Like I still haven't listened to Hamilton, which makes me a bad. Ooh, Hamilton's pretty cool. Nerd. I kind of like heard some of it the other day. It's pretty cool. I know, right? And the, the whole concept is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Heights, I've heard is very good. Uh, I really enjoyed the older stuff. Like Singing in the Rain is still one of my favorite musicals of all time. Um, partly because the story was, uh, the writer. Oh, I can't remember his name. I want to say it starts with an A, um, but he he had all of these songs. So he was a songwriter for lots of musicals in Hollywood, and he just he was very prolific. And so he had this whole catalog of songs that had never been put in a movie before. And so he just kind of threw them at this director and said, can you just put these all in a movie? Like, let's just make this happen. And so you have this bizarre mishmash of a movie with all of these crazy songs just thrown in and somehow it works and you can tell that everybody is just having a great time on that film plus it was debbie reynolds debut and she's kind of an inspiration because she was 17 and lied about her age said she was 18 and she also lied about saying that (laughs) she knew how to dance she'd apparently never danced before in her life but in order to get a role she just said that she was a great dancer she was amazing um and that's kind of like that's like the a real aim high kind of story, like punch above your weight. Maybe maybe it'll work out for you. And of course, you know, then she be, went on to be this super famous musical theater actress um, and all because she told someone she could dance when she couldn't. Fake it till you. Yeah, make it. I mean, yeah. I got to hey, hats off to that, to the to the I mean, that's what you do. Like, I think there's a story about, you know, <clears throat> I, don't know I saw a documentary where this was but spielberg was a very similar thing you know he wanted to be a, a film director and he was fat and he like fucking um would go he went into the he went on a tour into you know some studios right and uh and then kind of like snuck away or whatever and waited till the end of the day to leave and when he left he made it a point to say something to the security guard guy and like like he was leaving for the day like he worked there right and so then the next day he comes back and or whenever the, that guy was there and he's just like, oh, hey, you know, and the guy just like thought he worked there. Who knows if what sometimes things are romanticized, obviously, but makes for a good story. But, you know, and I, one of those guys, too, and I feel like he was the kind of guy that was doing stuff in someone else. And then you get your opportunity, right? Like someone was doing Jaws and it wasn't happening. And they were like, oh, give it to this dude. And then he just like knocked it out of the park, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think it's like. That's a good. That's a good story and a good lesson for the kiddos out there to be like aim aim high, lie your ass off, and just get it done. <laughs> <laughs> do whatever you got to do. Step on anyone to get there. This is the advice of Cara, Caravan Thorn. We'll make sure to put this in the write up. Don't worry. 
<laughs> you don't need a degree, just Photoshop. Just Photoshop, man. Yep. Just pirouettes. Fix it in post, bro. <laughs> just fix it in post. <laughs> fix it in post. Just yeah, no way. We'll uh we'll touch up your butthole later. Just get just uh take take two, go. We're run, we're, we're losing daylight here. We'll we'll <clears throat> we, we know we know a butthole guy, don't worry. He's got he's got you covered. <laughs> Um, I mean, this is fun. I could keep going all night and, uh, you probably don't want to. So, um, <laughs> do we have anything else important that we should actually discuss? Vic, Carrie, Adam, Ooh. anything to add? I mean, we covered all the important stuff like butthole touch-ups, <laughs> um, donuts, donuts. <laughs> diaper porn, diaper porn, reading tech manuals, uh, while watching diaper porn that's that's the secret <laughs> that's right don't get it mixed up uh <laughs> skunk's got a loose bumper <laughs> yeah loose is an understatement man dude and i was thinking about it because like i've just been like hunkered down in the house since sunday i don't think i've had to leave for anything and but i've got to like go do shit for the next three days and i'm like probably not legal to drive around with nothing on the front of my car um and i'm not like adam i'm not just gonna like read a manual tonight and fix my car i'm not a man (laughs) very frustrating when you're not when you're a man but you're not a man it's so annoying man Uh, so i don't know i'm gonna be out i know it's gonna be fucking horrible i'm gonna be out there tomorrow trying to put the bumper back on my fucking car it's gonna be embarrassing Gonna be all mad. Tape and rope. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good idea. Zip ties. <laughs> Got some gorilla yeah. glue. <laughs> just gorilla yeah, glue, zip ties, yeah, duct tape. Whatever shit, <laughs> nailing stuff in them. The frame. I can't make it any worse. So, <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Boom. See you. In, see you in a week. <laughs> Seriously, dude. I mean, I might just drive up to your place tomorrow. And be like, hey, we, let's kill two birds with one stone. How about I come check out Horn Lizard and just be like. Um, hit record. I'll track some stuff, and then also my bumpers out. Just <laughs> <laughs> hit record. I'll be back yeah. in a minute. Someone's like in there trying to fucking record something. You just hit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Um. Anyway, let's recap. Um. Adam loves Kip Winger. Uh. Okay. So you guys <laughs> uh-huh. have an EP out that came out. When did that come out? In 2019 or 18? No. 2020. 2020. Oh, early 2020. Mm-hmm. And early like so many people, right? You were ready to take the bull by the horns and the world shut down. So EP mm-hmm. 2020, a couple singles um, really got the cohesive, cool brand going. Props on that. I just, I think the web, is, is your website Banzoogle or Squarespace? What is this? Wix. Oh, holy shit. Wix. Is that free? Um, I mean, yeah, you can get free Wix sites. But, but yours is like pay. a little more st- Little, it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because you get like a at Wix, uh, yeah. you know, dot Wix dot com or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it looks really on looks the domain. Really good. So obviously, they're. I mean, Wix has been around for a while, so they got all their cool. Te- Do they have like a lot of templates, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. Then you just kind it's of pick something and template based. You just drag it, drop it, mm-hmm. change the color. Cool. So. And it's nice and easy, caravanthorn.com. You guys are on Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of... Do you Twitter? Does anybody fucking tweet except for the ex-president? I mean, I never get anyone that's like, oh, and find me on Twitter because I, I have a huge following. 
you know? I mean, we're technically on Twitter, sucks, but right? I always forget to check it and post to it. I hate Twitter. It's crap. So, like, I'll find, sometimes I'll find that someone has tagged us on Twitter, like, hey, friend of mine, check out this cool band, and it's, like, two weeks old. Yeah, no, I know, right? <laughs> you know what I hate, too, is, like, Facebook, sometimes they have, like, with pages, and they're super... <laughs> Sometimes I'll find a message in some page archive thing or whatever, and I'm like, oh, well, sorry, guy that asked me if I wanted to play a show in 2017. You know what I mean? It's just like, doesn't happen that often. It's it's really convoluted now. It happens, though. Yeah, and then yeah. and now yeah. they're, they're all integrated with Instagram, so half the time I'm like, is this a, oh, a fucking Instagram so message? But I, it's on my Facebook. So are you guys on, uh, on uh, what's it called, TikTok? Do you, do you do the TikTok dance videos? We have two videos on TikTok, but um, let's follow each other. I'm on there. I've, I've been kind of shying away from TikTok. It, it's gotten real political, has and, or at least my my TikTok has. It's gotten really zillennial. Uh, I, I can't. Uh, I can't handle that's a good that word. Zillennial yeah, is yeah. a good word. Man, I'm gonna have to write that down. What else is there? Mines. Have you heard of mines? I don't know that's about a that. thing. Uh-huh. Um, YouTube, obviously. I need. I need less political. Uh, we are on YouTube. S- social media, not more. Yeah. <laughs> We're not on MySpace. Should we be on no. MySpace? Do people uh, still why did use Justin that for music? What's his, why did, what's his name? Justin Timberlake. Why did he buy that? Timberlake, yeah. It's just, it just, it's just sitting there. It's just a mess of shit. I don't even know who uses it. Does someone actually use that thing? Apparently that's how Adele was discovered on MySpace, but that was back. W- on but that was back in the Tom days, right? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was. I mean, MySpace was like the precursor to Facebook, right. and then when Facebook took over, MySpace pivoted to music, and that's when Adele got on it. Well, I've heard like apparently. Uh-huh. So Spotify is supposed to be. I mean, Spotify is pretty badass in terms of the way it's all integrated. Like. It, it to me it is laid out a lot better than Apple Music, which is dealing with iTunes these yeah. days just pisses me off. I fucking hate iTunes now, mm-hmm. but like Spotify is like pretty easy to navigate. They got a ton of shit going on, so it almost seems like Spotify is becoming almost a a, a, a nice bat. You know, like what Apple Music could be, but also with kind of almost yeah. a, a MySpacey kind of thing, like you know, like and follow, and you do that. I don't know, but. It seems pretty cool. I hate it, but it's the best thing that I've found. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I still like Pandora. Yeah, I guess do people still do use I kind of forget about Pandora. Um Yeah. Well, that's because it's so heavily curated that you they don't have everything on there. So if you're looking for like a lot of local bands or hard to find stuff, then Well it's not not it's everyone gets on, on Pandora, right? Are you on Pandora? I don't think so. It's kinda hard so. to get on there, right? Yeah. Um, what do you who do you release through who's your di- uh, distributor we do two different places so our EP went through CD Baby um, and then our singles have gone through DistroKid yeah I've never used DistroKid what, what's your thoughts on that I I think CD Baby is a little more comprehensive and offers a wider variety of control um, but I like DistroKid because it is kind of simple. And one of the things I really appreciate about it is how uh, cheap covers are to release through that. Um, I found CD Baby was more expensive and DistroKid is just like, 
here's you know a small extra like fee for a cover song. Oh, cover so, so nowadays like 15 you, bucks oh right? so you don't even 12. have to <clears throat> 12 bucks so nowadays you don't even have to worry about like carrie fox and all that shit huh they just cover that right mm, they yeah, cover, yeah they they do it for you and for 12 bucks a year i'm Badass. like okay <laughs> oh wow that's good to know if i want to just do something a one-off single yeah. like for a cover song very cool well yeah for a cover song for sure and that's the other thing too is that i find distro kid really good for singles because you pay an annual membership oh. fee as opposed to cd baby where you either pay per song or per album um so if you just plan on releasing different types of covers interesting i mean or just different types of singles you could pay for a year's membership with like three songs but it's like so it's kind of and that's the thing like i remember doing a bunch of research between tune core and cd baby back 10 years ago or whatever when i started kind of putting stuff out and like they I'm glad I went with CD baby. Like it's a fee per thing, but with TuneCore you got to, if I feel like if you're not making any, if you end up not making anything, you kind of, and I feel like TuneCore's fees are a little steeper. So are like, mm-hmm. right. Like distro kid sounds like it's pretty cheap <coughs> in comparison. Like mm-hmm. what's an annual, what's an annual fee for that? I want to say like 25 oh, bucks. See, that's, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you, you do like two or three releases and you covered it for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's cool to know. Very cool. Yeah, and with and for that annual fee, you can, I mean, you can literally release a song every day, and not have to pay more. That's actually kind of a good idea because I, I, I kind of feel like certain things too, because you know, there's SoundCloud and Bandcamp, which is kind of cool, and I feel like there's certain things that I'll just throw up on stuff like that, and then you know, you're not like paying to release it because I don't want to pay for. Er- whatever it is, 10, $15 every time just to release some song that I'm kind of like, this is not really like super pro quality. But if you had a deal where it was like, well, I paid this annual fee and I can just like toss a bunch of shit out there, have it quote release, but not be paying. That's kind of cool. I didn't really know much about distro kid, but it actually sounds like kind of a cool. Um, yeah. And they release through all the same channels that CD baby does. Mm-hmm. So while you with like Bandcamp and SoundCloud, yeah, they're free, but you have to direct right. people back to SoundCloud. Well, it's kind of annoying. Whereas, yeah, and I know like a lot of artists, they don't want to, they're like, well, they're, they're raping us and we don't want to deal with it, the whole Spotify thing. And I get that, but it is kind of the deal. It is where people go get music and listen to music. And it's kind of, there was a few times we've had people here where I'm like, oh, wow, this is a great song. And then it's not on Spotify. And you're like, ah, shit, I want to put it on my playlist that no one listens to. Damn, you know, so... <laughs> you're you're lost artist yeah you could have made no money said, spotify integrates really well with other platforms too so it's yeah. so easy to share yeah as spotify. much as spotify like i kind of i get the whole thing and it's it sucks that we just make absolute nothingness but yeah, i do think it's a platform more and more i'm finding myself being like hey do you use spotify i've gotten into it you know and i'm just like you know, I know it sucks. Go buy some stock in the company to balance out your losses <laughs> and like you'll be fine. But like uh, it's like, yeah, I think that's kind of the way to go. The only thing I would be worried about there, what though, is like if you don't pay that fee, right, then do they pull your music? Like what do you have to eternally pay that fee to keep your music out there? Yeah, um, that's how it is with DistroKid. They do have that option kind of like CD Baby where you can pay more um to have it out permanently but right now i figure we'll probably be producing um you know continue to produce right. so it's worth the 25 bucks a year it's like yeah you have know that available to us if they have that kind of like 
fail safe where it's just like, oh shit, well, we're not doing this, but you, you can just sort of like pay an extra fee to be like secure that your music stays out there. Then it seems like totally worth it. Yeah. And I think you can do it retroactively. Yeah. Right on. So if at any point we're like, yeah, DistroKid isn't really working for us anymore, we could probably just pay the single fee to keep um, those songs up permanently. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then drop it. Yeah. Excellent. I'm out. I'm done. I have no more questions. It's only it's it's only going to be porn from here on out. So we probably a good time to wrap up. <laughs> Vic and I tend to have like four hour podcasts, and then want to shoot ourselves, and we have to edit it. So it's probably. I feel like we've 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 just gone over two hours. This seems about right. <laughs> it's a short one today, right? <laughs> nice. It's short, short and sweet. But we touched on a lot. We covered a lot of ground. I think this was a very productive. It, it started off a little rocky, like. I got Carrie's name wrong immediately and we had some awkward silences and people dropping out and it just sounded like we were going to awkwardly talk about donuts for an hour and a half. And, but <laughs> I, I feel like we salvaged it and it, it turned out pretty well. Once you started talking about your bumper falling off and then the diaper porn. <laughs> yeah. It just really took off from there. It's, it's, uh, it accelerated. Well, caravan porn. <laughs> Gary, what's your last name one more time? Stevens. Stevens. See, I actually that was in my head, but I was not about to just like fuck it up again. So, Carrie Stevens, Adam Diaper Porn, <laughs> Adam Winger. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, really had a good time talking with you and learned some cool stuff about your band. I'm super excited for when you guys do get new music out and get out there and play because I am yet to. I've seen you live and I'm super stoked that throughout this whole, you know, course of 2020 and everything that the up late Austin kept playing and recycling all these different, yeah. you know, artists. And uh, I've seen a lot of bands um, there and was able, you know, caught, caught you guys. So it was cool to at least see you in that capacity. And uh, yeah, so hopefully you'll be coming around the bend and late summer, fall, start getting back out there yeah. and do yeah. some shows and, and then hopefully release a Christmas album. Yes, yes, that's coming awesome. next. Oh man, you you guys We're should. Working on that this year. There, I don't know that your your Christmas vibe is money. It's good stuff. That's all her. Good. Stuff. We're already working on Christmas music I though, so we'll be ready. All right. Well, thank you for joining us uh, once again. This has been Skunk Manhattan, Victor Ramos, with Carrie Stevens and Adam Donovan sipping tea and. Talking about musicals here on Eclectic Soundtracks. Now you take care of yourselves. Good night. I want to go out. I want to have fun. I want to live like my life has just begun. I want to see friends. I want to get drunk. I want to hit the bars and dance at the clubs. But girl, stop. You got to stay home. Yeah, boy, stop. I want you to know that it's not time to go I wanna leave the house and get out of this fog I know that I can't, but temptation is strong I feel like I've been cooped up for too long But girl, 
You gotta stay in 